This podcast recorded live from the Urban Fly Company studio. And we are back for another week of the SVS Fly Fishing Podcast. Around the table today, we have the whole crew, Urban Fly Company's Mark Burns, big man on the board, Chris Sims, and the coolest cat I know, Jim Franklin. I'm Jay Thompson, and these are tonight's topics. And uh, first I want to say, gosh, sucks losing Jimmy Buffett. Yeah. Mm. yeah, that was a, that's a bummer. You know, something happened this week that man, it's just that's good time music. Like it's something if it comes on, you know, you're always just singing along. Mm. It's not it's not in my normal even my cat right normal catalog of music, but I love it. I mean, you're it's never still good. Ups, never upset when it comes on. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Like you know? Pearl Jam. <laughs> 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 mm-hmm. um, but uh, we have a. A post that I saw in Sims Fishing uh, online, I thought it was a good post, something that, uh, I, you know, it was a, kind of the way that I was raised, and uh, I think most of us. Uh, uh, Mark and Jim went fishing today. Uh, they heard it was pretty uneventful, uh, but Mark got a few rods back that he got to try out, and he said that the lines are going really, floating really well. Uh, we'll go Rick Eichler. Island. Casting, sorry, casting, not floating. Casting very well. Uh, Rick Eichler got Eiler, Eiler, Eiler. Elyer. 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 Rick Elyer. Rick Elyer. I, I, I can't talk tonight. Um, he got his first Cobia. That's going to be something that we'll, we're going to tease him a little and uh, congratulate as well. And we'll be talking to him next week about that. Uh, some in-depth fly design. Uh, we're going to do uh, some good affordable fishing gear. You know, along the way, we've all had some fishing gear that might have passed by and we liked, you know, might like to have back. Just things that you, you know, guys that don't have thousands upon thousands of dollars to spend on fly fishing gear at their at their at you know at their fingertips to you know just good gear that we like that is affordable uh jim picked up a pair of pliers we'll be talking about later uh i want to talk about like so a few products uh that are coming out uh an app i saw that i don't know what the guys think about um there was a another area of the country having some problems with their uh uh army corps of engineers Oh, imagine so, that! So you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't <laughs> mention that, and you know, it's so such a great people, nice yeah. organization. There. Yeah. I can't imagine anybody have any issues with them idiots. And uh, some, uh, I know some. Uh, there's <laughs> tell some us shops. how you really feel, Mark. <laughs> yeah, no, we will. We, 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 we'll get into that. Go back a couple uh, years and listen. Uh, some shops have been having some good sales. There's been a few shops around that I've seen some great sales for that we'll yeah. be uh, talking about that too. Uh, but before all that. Who sponsors the podcast, Mark? We got Yeti, Built for the Wild, A-Rex Hooks, Fresh and Saltwater. Check them out, A-Rexhooks.com. Cortland Lines, we got to play with a few, so we're going to be talking about them. A couple new ones coming out, and oh boy, they're really, really nice. Really liking them. And we've got Sims Fishing. Friends of the show, we have Ryan Evans up at Queen City Guiding. Michael Davis at Down to Earth Wealth Management. Thomas Shank, Chippewa River Custom Rods. We're going to have a little conversation about your product this fine evening. We've got our buddies over at Musky Fool, and as always, the Nittany Valley Musky Alliance, hosts of the Beast of the East, which is less than a month away. Yeah. Woo! Mm. Woo! So, uh, we don't want to get into any silly talk before I go on with this, or we're just going to go right to it. Usually, Chris goes off on some tangent already. I see he hasn't had enough bourbon yet. Yeah, we're not we're not gonna do that this week. <laughs> no, I didn't mean any tangents about anything like that. I just meant, you know, usually we're talking poking, bourbon or you know whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Usually we're talking a bourbon or something else. Uh, 
Um, are you being monitored right now? I I have no idea <laughs> anymore, Jim. Are you being monitored? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they got a bug on you, man. It's possible. Chris is going to go home and a bunch of papers laid out. Okay, you got to count for this, 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 this. Mm-hmm. I heard you say this. Is this true? <laughs> no. <laughs> so if Chris says three words tonight, that might be why. I uh, think that w- those were the three words that, that might mm-hmm. get you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. <laughs> so, but, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. I was going to say, but but Jay wants to talk about some stuff. Uh, we're going to get right to it, huh? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, keep me out of trouble for <laughs> like a couple of weeks so I can still go to the beast. I, I hate your TV over here. <laughs> oh, it's been messing up on me all darn day. Uh, we'll get it right back on there. Thank so you. Sims Fishing had a post out, and some of the things, I, their posts aren't always just buy this gear, buy that gear, this gear, that gear. And they, I feel like they kind of get the essence of fishing uh, in a lot of their posts. And this one was take when, they, when you take your kids out on the water – it's not just about catching fish. It's about hanging out and connecting. So when they're young, you're laying the foundation. So when they decide to take a break as they get older, they'll always have the opportunity to come back and redefine their own passion for it. And I thought that was well well, well said. Better, better than I'd ever say it. Absolutely. Uh, and how many guests have we talked to that say they grew up fishing, then they went to college, and they kind of didn't do it anymore, and then they rediscovered it, and... Now they're on our show. Now they're on other shows. Now they're pros. Now they're guides. It's it's crucial to lay that foundation. And whether that sticks immediately or not, so be it. In all my encounters, in, in the post, uh, there's a, um, a a kid catching a tiger trout, which is you know a rare trout to catch. You know that's yeah. you know you don't get those all over the place. And for you to have two you know species of trout, you know reproducing in the same creek, and it does happen. Was well, that the one where the Kid just had his line out there, oh, and he was yeah. about to cast. Yes, yeah, and he's and like, "You just caught a tiger trap." <laughs> he's like, "I'm so jealous and happy," <laughs> and you know, and, and it, you know, just it, it was a good post. But that's cool. Uh, that's the way it went for me. You know, I fished when I was young with my dad. You know, brought up fishing, went, you know, moved away, got away from fishing for just a little while, reacquainted with other friends down there with similar interests and finding other fishermen just somehow, some way. I guess you always just come around and say, oh, you fish? Oh, I fish. Oh, okay, yeah, you know, and coming back and fishing now and again and then, you know, coming back home and getting into this podcast and really trying to, you know, us working our asses off for years and years and years now, trying to, you know, be great at this stuff. And, you know, that's how it kind of went for me. You know, and I, I just felt like that was a really cool post, something that I guess I saw just grab my heartstrings a little bit. and yeah. I mean, my very first vacation, I was, I was born in March, and, and then in June, we went to Canada walleye fishing. And then every year, it was Canada walleye fishing, spin gear. And then 12 years old, dad, my dad always fly fished. When he was in the Air Force, he was stationed in Labrador, and that's where he got into fly fishing. So we started trout fishing, and then we started fly fishing. You know, we'd fish for walleye in the morning and the evenings, and then we'd fly fish for pike in the afternoons and then we discovered cape cod never went back to canada and it was fly fishing for stripers and then more salt water and i never took a break but i met some of the coolest guys i knew in college uh literally while fishing you know i went to i went to iup and there's some good trout waters there uh and i'd meet dudes on on those trout waters and they're like hey we're going to we're going over to penn state this next weekend we're going to fish 
you know, the the Penn State Creeks. You want to go? Yes. And it was it was cool. I I mean, I met you guys fly fishing. Uh and I I really I would have talked to Mark. You know, it had I wanted like musky flies, but like we fished together. It turned out it was we didn't hate each other and <laughs> and just kept fishing, but I mean, same same with Jimmy. Yep. I just kind of got thrown into all of this. I went on a trip with Mark one day and just I was like a stray cat. You guys fed me once and now I just I haven't left. I'm always on the front. I'm always on the back porch. <laughs> I want to go I want to go fishing, yep. guys. Yep, just meowing to get on the raft. Yep. Now you guys worked together, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's how Pinner I Pinner Jim. Pinner Jim. Yeah, that's that's right. nobody there. Yep. Yeah, Mark got tired of all of my uh, steelhead stories, so I wanted to get a muskie, so I figured I'd go out with him one day, and I actually, I bought a brand new spinning combo that never got used. Did you ever use that for cat or anything? I mean, I used it once or twice for, you know, just throwing it out there as a cat rod, but my buddy that I take with him, he's got shoulder problems, so he can't cast a fly rod. So, like, whenever we went musky fishing yeah, on my local used to, legs. Use used that to, for the blades? I, I give that to whoever's going. Works all right? Hmm? Yeah. Seems like it'd be a good stick. Yeah, it's got a Daiwa BG4000 on it. I mean, it's Fair got a pretty real. good reel. Yeah. That meant nothing to me. I know. It's it doesn't mean. Listen. It sounded listen, impressive. So <laughs> the fact that I said it, and it, it doesn't mean anything to me anymore either. <laughs> so when did you just decide to be just... I'm not going to ever pick up a gear rod again. Probably. Well, and that's not true. I will still fish for gear for walleye in the fall on the big river or on on Lake Erie. But that's it. Uh, I don't use gear for anything else. Probably like 2004, 2005 when we're on the Cape and there are guys chucking pink sluggos <laughs> like three miles offshore and we're sight fishing for the fish and they're just... Watching, I'm like, I don't need to gear fish ever again. And that's when I decided I won't. Other than like with my kids or for sure. walleye or. Because you can fly fish for walleye, but it's not exactly the best way to do that. You're one. there. To, you're there to kill and catch yeah, I'm, meat. I'm filling the box. Yeah, let's, let's that, be efficient. That's it. Yeah. So it's probably been, what was that, 2003, 2004, 20 years of only fly fishing. Yeah, I can't say I've. Kept to the only fly. I mean, I I'm, I won't fly fit or gear fish for a lot of things. I like taking the kids out and kicking the piss mm-hmm. out of the trout once in a while when they stalk them. But I did use it for uh, bowfin a little bit. That was about the only thing I I did reach out and you know throwing frogs and stuff like that. It uh, it's just easy enough on the gear yeah. rod. I was prepared to gear fish uh, this trout season. I went into Mauer's trading post and I was like, <laughs> Jody. I haven't, I haven't trout fished with a gear rod in ever. What do I need? What do I need for me and what do I need for my six-year-old? So he led me through and showed me the trout magnets and all that stuff. And then, you know, a couple little ultralights and I gave him some of my money and I was prepared to do it. But, I mean, that was the last real rain we've had. Yeah. <laughs> all year. It's the first two weeks of trout. How it? Yeah, it has. It's been because it was. Bl- I mean, that first day it was blown out. Oh, it was- oh, Menard Youth Day was chalk and milk. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And even moving the f- tree limbs that day. Yeah. Even the first day it was blown out. 
Yeah, it was bad. I didn't catch fish either day. I'd, we had to wait a couple weeks. Yeah. The only nice thing is it moved the fish around a little bit, so you can uh, move up and down the creeks and catch fish everywhere instead of them being all in one spot. Yeah. But other than that, yeesh, that was a monsoon. We could use oh a little Lord. less rain then and a little more rain now. I, I, I don't know, Mark. I think I need a new Kill Roku. Him, Smalls. Why don't we unplug the Roku once and we'll that'll that'll fix it maybe. Got to clear uh, your cache. Look, I'm buying Sorry, computers, it's football not TVs. Season. <laughs> 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 that was a good one. <laughs> oh, I can't. <laughs> I think it is your your internet. It probably is. It's been going in and out a bunch lately. We're trying to watch a little football in the background. It is, it is, still tr- it is football pull, Sunday, so... You still pulling your uh, internet from your Amish wireless <laughs> yeah. router? I was going to say, all your neighbors are Amish. I doubt Spectrum's like, we really need to service this one guy on this yeah. entire road. Well, I was getting... The, I was stealing, stealing I was it from stealing, Mr. Miller next door. I was stealing it from the Amish themselves. Impossible. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> I steal my internet from the Amish? I mean, that's how it works. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know, the next-door neighbor guy might be using it. Who knows? I don't think it goes that far. Uh, so, unless Mark wants to tell his tall tale of how he got into the whole fly fishing sport and what it means to him. I think we've done that a handful of times already. Yeah, it's been a while, though, so I figured it was always, you know, with the post. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of started off. I mean, I didn't do as much, like, shore fishing and kind of all that. My dad never did any of that. So, like, all the trout stuff I did was... Like with buddies and, you know, day before sleepover, you know, big party and everything camping out. And it was always just trout-wise. But, like, everything else I did was mainly all, like, jigging floating for crappies and up eerie walleyes. Mm-hmm. So when I, like, got to the point where, like, it was an action, like, bass fishing and stuff like that, that's when, like, I was completely hooked. So everything that we would do, I would always be, even if it was, you know, just sitting there drifting down the lake, I was heaving something. I couldn't take it. So I'd sit there and cast eerie deeries until and just drag them and just jig them off bottom and try to catch water, just do something. So, like, once I kind of got, like, from there, I got bass fishing, striper fishing a lot, and then kind of the fly game came next, and that's where it was like, mm, you just trout fish. That's what you do. And then after doing that for, like, a year or so, I was like, this is getting old, but I can go do all the crap I was doing, you know, with the gear-wise. With a fly rod, and that's yeah. at that point. Once that started, I, I mean, you know how I've been. Oh, if yeah. I do pick up that a gear rod, I don't want to. Yeah. I just I don't enjoy. It. I never I never did when I you know did gear fish, and I fished a lot, and I just something always about it. Like I I did like bait casters, and you know like any time that like we were always fishing, I was always out of bait caster just jacking around because it just was action it was moving so once the you know casting on the fly game in a streamer it's just it's constant action it's constant moving and like and i can stay focused in that and i'm good and i'm like perfectly content when i pick something else up it's just it's foreign at this point and i just i'm like no i'm good i don't want to yeah and to to be honest it's a new game that i don't want to learn right like you you were talking about that diowa reel and i'm like i don't need more numbers in my head i don't need more model numbers i don't need more models <laughs> like there's enough fly stuff out yeah. there that i can barely keep in my brain five seven and nine probably haunt you right now yeah i that's, mean that's it, five seven nine you just close your eyes at night and just see five <laughs> seven yeah, five nines. seven nine five dragon's blood is dragon's there blood <laughs> i mean is there any other lure than a green spinner bait anyways or a white bit of spinner bait 
Well, <laughs> but, I mean, when like, I was I was hooked in high school because I remember my senior year, uh, I didn't have to take a math class, right? At Franklin, you didn't have to take a math class your senior year. You uh, had already taken enough credits in math. Correct. Yeah. And I was going to be a cop. So I'm like, I'm pretty sure I got the math I need to be a cop. Uh, so I left my seventh and eighth period open. And that was back when they didn't lock the doors at the high school. I mean, they did, but it wasn't like timed locks and there weren't people there. So I, I would leave. The good old days? Yeah. I would leave. I would skip sixth period, uh, which was choir. Uh, and I would I would walk out the front door. I'd flip the lock on the top so I knew I could get back in at the end of eighth so I could take the bus home. And I, I would I would catch a ride with a buddy and we'd go to where that meat market is. Yes, sir. And we'd fish for three periods. Oh, nice. Skip skip class for three periods. Go go fish where the meat market is, and come back. Let ourselves in school, and it's good to go. And so I told all my study hall teachers, like, "Oh, I'm going to the band room, or I'm going to the choir room, or I'm doing this." And they never they never, you know, back then they didn't check. I mean, that was the mid '90s. <laughs> Chris, Chris had a duffel bag with waiters yeah. hiding in the bushes. Nobody cared at all. Oh no, not at yeah, all. Our senior year, we didn't have an attendance policy. Yeah, I was steelhead fishing every other day. Yeah, we like go, Tuesday we, it looks good. Okay, we're not going. Yeah, we'd we'd go steelhead fishing. We'd take a whole day off, or I'd take every day, and we'd go to you know where we where we talked about. Yeah, that that that'd be a that'd be a fun little afternoon. Yeah, it was good, but then. But then uh, in 96, I went to the Green River in Utah. And, you know, you catch 80 fish a day and the average size is like 16 inches. And you come back and you fish, even if you fish uh, that the, the Oil City water. You're like, this is not fun. <laughs> this, is, this is not the same as catching fish in the green. And then we went again in 2000. And that, that killed my trout fishing. Like after 2000... I would fish uh, some local creeks at IUP just because I had to go fish. But even then, I'd catch like a 17-inch rainbow, and I'm like, cute. This is a humongous Pennsylvania fish. Oh, sure. But cute. You know, and, that, and it's one of those things like you say, I, you know, being out west one time, wow. Yeah. The trout that are on top of the trout that are on top of the trout and oh. the size and just phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, and You come back and you're like, man, I'm going to see a trout. In stripping a streamer for you know a, a big trout, mm -hmm. you're gonna see maybe there you're gonna see all of them, all of them, <laughs> you know, and, and it's it's great. There's just trout per mile, and then you come back, you're like, I might see one big trout in this whole float today if I'm lucky, maybe yeah, if I'm exactly. lucky, you yeah. know. So, or you know, you have a day where you catch a couple, but I mean, it's still, it's that's not it's not the same. It's tough. And then in this area, when you when you think to yourself, be like, man, I can go four hours and catch twenty stalkers, right? Or I can go four hours and maybe get a bunch of smallmouth or a muskie or even, uh, you know, Mark's favorite fish, the largemouth bass. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you can get one of those, that beats every trout you would have caught that day. I definitely agree with the smallmouth. Like, yeah. I mean, it, uh, being a comparable fish, you yeah. know, I, I would much rather... Uh, but <sighs> I like catching smallmouth more because they're more available. You're catching more of them. It's more of a fun day, you know. 
And they're bigger, stronger, fightier fish. I, I feel like when you if you do get those couple big trout or you do catch that musky, the the ride the ride might have not have been quite as fun, but the the feeling after sure is a lot better. You and, know? You, and you're going to catch more smallmouth on top than you are trout, realistically. Oh, like let, let let's say you get into a phenomenal like every year we've got a just a banging sulfur hatch. You know, you get a good sulfur hatch, you might get a dozen, a dozen trout. But any day in the summer, you can float a Mr. Wiggly or a Booglebug, and you're going to get a dozen smallmouth without even really trying. And each one of those is going to make you, going to make you a little happier than that eight-inch gray ghost that just <laughs> <laughs> was hanging out behind another gray ghost. <laughs> I will say though the. the well, I do, I do like it's and it's all I think it's all certain time of year for me, you know. I'm feeling the the cool weather coming on, and I really got to get out and do something other than smallmouth fish because that's all I've done for the last three months. Right. You know, I'm not trying to rush it along, but I think it's time. I'm ready. Can we get some rain so I could go do something else? <laughs> yes, please. But uh, hey, whatever happened to Hurricane Lee? Uh, I, I think it stayed out at sea, right? I mean, if we got rain south, but nothing. We just got those bands that just kept missing us. Yeah, everything missed. I mean, we it's it's bad. Yeah, it missed us too. Like and it's this like this week they're showing a couple of days of rain, but like nothing heavy, like no serious accumulation. It's it's bad. Yesterday, my buddy lives in Clarion, and he said it blew out all his creeks. And I'm like, dude, we got point zero sixth of an inch oh. here, and it blew out his creeks, which we could use a good blowout. Oh, I would love it. Yeah. That'd be nice, but what we, ne- we what we need is just a two or three There's day hearing soaker. What are you on. doing over here? You learning stuff? I hate you so much. Hearing hacks? Do you, I, can't you hear? I clicked the link to see where Hurricane Lee was going, and it was yeah. a video. They got Sh- some. Showed you hot hot local milfs. Yeah, it turns out Hurricane Lee is some serious water up there. Gone. We would have taken any of it. Yeah. Hurric- Even a couple drops. Worst case scenario, Hurricane Lee just <coughs> touches the tip of Cape Cod. Just the tip. Just the tip. Just the tip. So, Mark, Kay. Jim, you guys went uh, fishing today. Uh, Jim, you've been rowing a lot? You getting on the oars at all? Is, I actually, is Mark I letting didn't, you? I didn't, I didn't row today. No. Just fished your ass off. I just fished my ass off. I backcasted so much today, like towards the end of it, I, I could barely hold on to the <laughs> Is rod. Is that what anymore. you call it? That's what I call <laughs> it. <laughs> my, I was out there limp wristing it towards yeah, the end he of was the day. Ba- he had the baton out. And let me, on on a tangent from that, if you're if you're a good caster, practice your back your back casting. So oh, when you go out into your yard and you're doing regular casting. Either, Any, either, all of it. Either yeah, take the time to learn to cast left-handed, like my dad did. If you're a righty, uh, teach yourself to what? Cast. Yeah, my instead d- of backcasting, he'll just cast left-handed. Well, my dad's left-handed, but instead of backcasting, he'll cast right-handed, just as well as he'll cast left-handed. Huh? No shit. Which actually, like, if you're gonna spend the time in the yard, why not just do that instead? Yeah, but then you got funky real sides because just, then just switch hands. The real. There I mean, zero. I guess, yeah, you could just switch there are so many. There are a fair amount of people out there that cast right-handed and then reel with the right hand. They switch hands. 
I feel like they'd be trying to throw a football left-handed. Well, that's yeah. almost like it how is. a bait caster works, isn't it? It's hard, but it's the same. Like, yeah, when you first learn how to hand. fly cast, so you it's play the it with same your left thing. hand, and you reel with your right. Super awkward. You don't switch so hands with a bait caster. Start that. I can't, I can't use a bait caster because of that. How would you switch hands? You physically can't. Well, you just have to get a left-handed reel. Because like, I can't. There's no way. Oh, after in the hell, cast. Like, yeah, I mean, you I've make the cast. I've got to do my cast, jigging motion yeah. with my right. There's no but, way I can. But that's different. You're like, you actually are hooking a fish, fighting a fish, and then switching it over at that point. Baycaster, you're working yep. it in your left hand the whole time. Then you catch the fish, you reel it. You make the cast and immediately switch hands. Yeah, so my dad, when he casts right-handed, yeah, he'll I, cast right-handed, and then he'll just switch hands and then strip in naturally for him. So right. for me, like, if I was... if Instead of back casting, if I chose to take the time to learn how to cast left-handed, just switch hands real quick and then strip like you normally would. Backcasting is so easy. Yeah, backcasting is not challenging. It's so but so easy. You know, so I, you know, I was noticed that the, helped me was standing face just facing and having the rod in front of you. You know, you could see where your back cast is, you could see where your front cast is, and you could just sit and look at the whole thing happening while the rod's right, everything's right in front of you. Mm-hmm. And it makes it so much easier for me than having and an actually saying, you know, you're you're trying to well, stand. yeah, but you're not you're not doing it right though because <laughs> you're thinking about like learning. Yeah, but you're thinking about making a cast that is a same cast and then going back in with it. That's not the way you should be looking at it. That rod should be almost like a ten and a two, going off of this arm then your arm stops the rod, which loads the rod. Your hand goes forward to 10, boom. That's not like you're making the same cast and then just turning over. You do that. I mean, that in that way, this left arm does all of the work. So you're virtually almost as easy as doing a two-hand cast where everything's all compact right inside of a 10 to 12-inch stroke. It's the same deal with two-handing. Your left arm stops the rod, boom. You're, it's like flicking a paint off like I kept telling you today. Flick the paint off you would like steer the rod and turn your hand to the right. So instead of like, let's say the target's out in front of you, you are looking at the target, your shoulder's at the target, just like a golf. You're lining up the ball, You everything wants to be lined up at the target. You're lined up at it, your hand is like flicking, the back of it's like flicking a paintbrush off. So your left arm stops the rod, rod loads, right arm goes forward and comes to a stop. You're barely moving that rod, they're 60 feet. Yeah. But it has to be... The back of your hand has to be at your target, where when you're trying to steer it in like this, like when I called the moving the baton, because then you lose all of your line. Now your line's just going side to side. You lost your loop. You lost your speed. Where with that, it's just boom, boom, boom. Yeah. You can go 10 to 2, make a 12-inch stroke, oh, and throw that's 50 feet. Yeah, unless you're doing like a reach cast with your backhand, but unless you can really backhand, don't do a reach cast yeah. with your with your back hand. Because a lot of people will, like you're saying, they're going to want to get up high and get their arms up like they're doing a regular cast and then turn and let it go. Don't do that. Just put your arms down, keep it at your body, and keep that rod nice and tight and compact. That Them rods are meant to bend. The, That's them, the, Let your body do that, and then you take all the fatigue out. The best example I heard was Blaine Chocolate say, imagine you're handing a beer to your buddy behind you. And that, and that, that really helped me is when... Is when you're sense. when you're backcasting. Imagine so you're going to keep that same plane because you don't want to spill that open beer. But imagine you're handing an open beer to your buddy behind you, and that mentally that helped me. And, I t- and the other thing is like if you Belgian haul with it, it's so because it's one swoop. So you come in low 
and then you just rotate the rod high while you're hauling at the same time. Yep. So once you figure that out, it's all in that same motion. You can keep it all right, nice and compact, but the rod comes in down low, makes a D loop, boom, with the haul. And then you can just, it's a constant inertia. There's no back and forth. Then you really wouldn't be hitting your friend's motor either. No. Well, well, it sits <laughs> up to your chest. I mean, it's like he d- he did jack plated <laughs> one fifty sitting up. It's a it's a one fifty jet motor, yeah. which only has like like a jack plated prop boat. Yeah, realistically, <laughs> that motor's barely in the water. Yeah, it's it's not below the the bottom of the boat. Like so. you can sit on the top of that crown, your feet aren't barely touching the boat. I should build you a platform on top of that motor because you're the yeah you're the spryest guy. Oh yeah, because most boat. of the time I stand <laughs> on the back corner of your boat. Yeah, your your like gunnel is like a foot by foot, and I'm like standing <laughs> on top of that spot there because when the wind's right and the wind is the way that it is, and you have your rod positioned correctly, the boat gets on a certain position. It tight lines that dead perfect. You can cut your rod tip right down through the edge of that current, and from that little corner of that boat, you can work that thing so perfect. I it, it buries the line. It works the fly. When I fish solo, I fish off the back of the boat. Yeah, that little corner I run, is just I run the remote, and I could run the pedal because I've got enough slack cord in the pedal to run to the back of the boat, but usually I'm just running that the, the remote, and I fish from the back because it's a, it's a dance floor back there, mm-hmm. realistically. And I can look at the, the sonar. I can look at the depth finder. So now that we destroyed the, your, your back casting and my technique, apparently, uh, mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, you can you get could, better at it. Oh, sure. No, I I, I cast. <laughs> we, we I cast just fine. I mean, it's 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 just. No, I'm just saying that the technique of teaching sure. what you were saying. Well, I was saying you could watch the rod load that way, and you could kind of at least feel what you're doing at first. And I, I I agree with you. Keeping I would, things, I would rather you fishing, watching you that target. It, you keeping it t- tighter to your body is always going to yeah. Less but fatigue. Like my you're not my, fatigue my yourself, thinking, especially with the twelve weight. True. I mean, for me, I'm I'm casting a six weight. You know what I mean? It th- I can get up and flick that yeah. thing and, and really just flick it with my back of my, even just my hand, my wrist, and just boom, flick it. It goes plenty is, far is, enough. Is this a flick of the wrist part two? And the advantage <laughs> is... Jim's like, I've heard enough like he of said, this today. I mean, yeah. you, you're absolutely with that flicking, and you just you get that little extra oh, yeah, speed and a, and a double haul with that. Boom, yeah. it, it and flicks that's the thing. fly right away. You can't do what you're talking about if you don't have your double haul timing down. 100%. Like, so like, like if you're a single hull guy, you can't you can't cast the way you're talking about casting backhand, right? You that's going to be tough. Yeah, you have to have your double haul down because most people haul on their way back, and then they don't haul on their way for, forward. And if you're doing a higher back cast, overhand cast, and not and you don't have a good double, you don't have a good second haul on the way forward, it's never going to work. No, and I, Mark and I, Mark's always on the, the musky throwing a 12-weight mindset, and, I, you know, I'm usually on a six-weight mindset. But, I mean, you could get away with a little more. But even staying tight with any of that is always the way to go. Or and learn how to cast with your opposite hand. Yeah, or, or try that. <laughs> so after you, after you didn't back cast great all day, what, uh, you, you guys ran into something just insane happened you were talking about. You oh, put it in yeah. a, th- a tree a few times or something we were talking about outside. Oh yeah, yeah. I uh, I decorated a tree a few. I was times. like insane. What happened today that was cool? <laughs> Jim Pepper in a tree, and then uh, on my last hang up on the tree, I had a fish come up and try to take it off of the limb, 
like right up underneath this this but, where this log came into the water. That's crazy. I so looked there was over. A fish there. I looked over at Mark. I'm like, did you see that? He went, yeah. I did. <laughs> I think it was followed up with, he ate it if it had been in the water. <laughs> did he say something like, it's like fishing with Rick all over again? No, no. <laughs> oh, it's like, it's, there's like a little hole. And it wasn't the easiest cast, but from where he was, it was very, very doable. But it was like a pocket under an overhang, and this tree limb came down. And we were maybe, you know, like, like a 20-foot cast. So it was like a couple quick ones. But instead of like doing, like I said, like flicking the paintbrush, he was just kind of like pulling around, and it kept pulling a fly to Trying the left, to guide it in, and, and hitting the tree on the left, and then he'd pull it off of it, and he pull it in and hit the tree, and pull. I'm like, put your hand at the target, and then on the next one, if it finally gets stuck and it's like hung, and he goes to shake, and he's just, I'm like, yep, yeah, there's the fish. <laughs> and and Jimmy, this is not a shot at you, but I think it's because you only single haul, like we talked about earlier. Is you have a you you've got the haul on the back cast. Like when you pull out of the water or when you're doing a back cast, you've got the timing perfect for that haul to load that rod. But you generally don't do a haul from the back to the forward. I'm starting to try to get used to really pulling that line going yep. both ways. And let me tell you the key. For me, learning that haul was letting your hand come back up to the reel. That's the hardest part is when you go to do your haul from back to front is you have to let that hand come back up, almost touch your other hand or touch the reel so that you've got enough, you've got enough room to generate the speed to help load that rod on the way forward. Whether that's, the, whether that's a straight cast or a backhand cast, that, that back to front haul is, is crucial. And that's where most people have trouble figuring out the double hauls they can haul on the way back because that's 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 natural i mean you can honestly just leave your hand where it is and move move your rod and it hauls for you but allowing your hand to draw back up and then haul and and send it is not natural and it's harder and i think It, it it feels it's a mental thing it is. By pulling line through back through the fly rod, how is it ever going to ex- go further? Yeah. Or how will it ever be farther out? I'm putting less and line out there to get more line out there. Yeah, and that's and he's 100% like when you learn that, you want to do like you don't want to like watch me doing this at this point because like when you do learn, you do want to get up like by your head. Yes. Me anymore, I'm more like a chainsaw. I get the thing down in like low and then I just hammer a haul to a hard stop. And it just sends everything out. Yeah, and when you know how but, to do it, it's way it's way like easier. Learning wise, yep. Boy, it is a major difference because you won't feel it. It won't be right. It won't be right. And then all of a sudden, you'll get that hand up by your cheek, and then you'll hammer it, and you'll feel that just load the whole way down deep into the rod. And it's like you'll feel that into the rod, and it is until you you have to get that hand up high to get the the most power through. And then once you learn that, then you can kind of start getting that feel of it just back and forth, back and forth. And then you learn the ro- load point of the rod and where your hand's got to be at each point. And, and that's the first thing I do, like, when I'm in a casting funk, because I, I get in those because I'm stupid, right? Like, I'll, I'll come out, and I'll, <laughs> and I'll be trying to cast. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And I'll stop, and I did the same thing when I golfed. And I said, what do I need to do? I need to speed up and stop. I need to haul. I need to let my hand come back up at the stop. I need to move it forward and haul, and I'll, I will go through the basics in my head again. And so, like, for the first 20 casts, I will make sure my hand hits the reel so that I know 
I'm getting a good enough haul, and then I'm good for the rest of the day. This should be one of those, I bet he's thinking about other girls' memes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm thinking about the double haul. Like, I'm l- like laying in bed. Yeah. <laughs> she, yeah. She's looking at her photos. I'm like, I bet she's thinking about other girls. And I'm like, all right, 10 and 2. <laughs> and when I, come, when I come back from 2 o'clock, I need to make sure my hand's at the real. <laughs> I used that, to, I, that'd be a good meme, yeah. buddy. I used to walk around the house and just do that motion, just that. Like you said, bringing it back, like just that same motion. Uh, that was, yeah, great motion to make. But <laughs> honestly, just if you just doing that twice and just thinking about, you know, here we go, boom, boom, boom. It has to be, boom, has to be the same motion over and just yep. doing that in my head. Just it did it. It helped me out on the creek later. It really did. And, and then you it know becomes what natural. It's harder to learn with using a twelve weight. It, 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 I mean, but once you learn with the twelve weight, I mean, geez, you go down to a, a smaller rod and it's just. It just becomes real easy, but I mean, I learned on a twelve weight, you know, ten weights, throwing musky flies, and but like I talked about earlier, it's easier to learn on a lighter rod. I would say though, it, it not only is it easier, it allows you to be more technical about it too, right? Because a twelve weight, like if you're trying to cast sixty feet, you can be the worst caster in the world, and you can throw a single fly sixty feet with a twelve weight rod, right? You don't even you don't barely have to try. But if you're trying to throw like a D and D or a, a a a deceiver or something on a six weight or a seven weight with a double haul sixty seventy feet, without a double haul, I mean, you're not gonna be able to do it. Like you're gonna struggle. So you need you need to have the technique to be able to throw that on a smaller rod where you don't on that twelve weight. Because the twelve weight you can cheat. Because that rod's going to do a lot of the work that your haul would normally do. We've got a heavy fly. Yeah, exactly. So when you're learning, don't learn on your 10 or your 12. Learn, like Jay said, learn on your 6, learn on a 7. Uh, 8, whatever. Yeah, 8, 5. Wh- whatever. Just learn because it's going to teach you and it's going to be a more responsive rod. So you're going to know the second that rod is loaded, mm-hmm. right? You're going to feel that line reach its perfect perfect mark at the end so that you can send it forward and keep a tight loop whereas a 12 weight it's so stiff and it's such a hard wow i'm gonna rephrase this yeah you better because <laughs> i'm Freezing. waiting for this i'm going yeah, not gonna do it <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah it's such uh it's such a it's I'm not out. getting better. I'm out. It's you get not it. getting better. Mm-hmm. You guys yeah. get it. Next all right. subject. All right. Yeah, the, but the hey. fishing was, uh, was. I choose to punt like the Steelers did all night. We're we're at a, all day. we're at a bland spot right now. We need something to change. I mean, we've got still seventy three four degree water. I mean, the fish are complacent. The water's low. It's crap. I mean, there's no other way to put it. It's crap. We're at that time of the year where the debris starts to settle in because the weed structures kind of turn into crap. So you have a lot of junk in the water. There's a lot of, you know, just... If there is water. Yeah, and it's... I don't know. It's not, you know, we just don't have the situation now. But we kind of sat and beat at some areas where we knew that there was fish and it had where there should be. And I mean, I'll tell you, I will say one thing. Boy, that two-hander makes life easy. (laughs) Good. So, I mean, I'm sitting in the rower seat and the lead anchor, I pop up and just... Hammer out 60, 70 feet. Yeah, just just, like absolutely. I'm watching laser beams shoot over the back of my shoulder while I'm fishing off the other side of the raft. 
Yeah, like I'm leaning over the side around him and like firing like down the creek, like just bringing it back and just covering like every inch I can with like a dragon tail, just covering as much water, just trying to get something to move. You can sit in one spot, anchor it up, and just literally just cover a whole radius around you, just effortless. Yeah. Uh, One day. One day that'll be. Oh, but yeah, I guess we were going to talk to it too. I did uh, get the chippies back. Yes. Nice. We all cast them tonight. So I went at these a little bit different because I do get quite a few people in that are. So, I mean, if you're an experienced caster and you cast these rods, you're not going to really notice the difference with them. And we've all cast them. We cast them today and just you're going to notice they fire quicker. But my thought process is, is with inexperienced casters, I want you to be able to get that because you got a heavy fly. you got a heavy line. It's doing a lot of the work. So a lot of the time when you're not getting a good cast and you're not getting it to load and it's boomeranging and you're shooting it forward, you're still using the energy. You're still beating your arm up. So whether the cast goes 15 or 20 feet or it goes 40 or 50 feet, you're still using everything. This way, instead of that line that isn't, you know, doesn't have the speed to it, by upping the guides on it, it just allows them to just, there's no resistance. They just fly through. And they don't look gaudy. Like, I figured they'd be like, man, no, how about really just I only went up one size, so it's not like it's, like, massive yeah, or anything. It doesn't anything. look like a tuna rod. The one thing that it did take is it took yeah, like a tuna rod. It took uh, f- you've got to play with the uh, lines in the or the the reels, so it's they're not going to be conducive for like a plastic or a you know um, cast reel. You're going to want some weight to it because they do weigh more. The rod you know is a little bit heavier. You so had every eye changed out all yeah, the way down the whole way top and you could you could go with like a 910 behemoth oh yeah you like could yeah absolutely yep a 910 or something of that size but you're not going to roll with a 78 on a 10 weight like you used to um it's you definitely got to add a little bit of weight but once they got balanced right they cast i mean it is just it's effortless now with them the, the line speed picked up significantly and you know like when you go to punch a cast out how sometimes it's just like it's kind of like laying there's no more laying it is like you know like in the payload and like you're or eight, or that that finish. There's no recoil. There's no finish at the, like. I was it, gonna say, that's and, and I don't know how to explain or what that is, but you, there, it's sometimes at the end you'll get the whole line out, but it doesn't like fire to the end every time. That, now it's right out. Yeah, it, it doesn't go. It. It, so, so the word I've always used is recoil. Is it's not when, once you send that line and you're at your end, it doesn't go all whippy at the end, and you lose that. You lose like one or two inches of accuracy where you're trying to. Where you're trying to land that fly, where when those bigger guides just tonight with the what five minutes I cast that, almost no recoil on that because that line's not ripping through and going up and down and beating the end of that rod up. Yeah, it's and it's just going through that, that guide out quicker too. Yep. What do you Less think? Resistance uh, and what do you think about like durability of like the eyes seem like they're. Because I know a lot of I've had eyes on some of the fly rods that are built more like a fly rod, especially the end, the tip uh, eye, that you know have gotten grooves in them from stripping lines through over years and years. I mean, you're not going to groove these because they're ceramic inserted. Okay, but I mean, it's it's inevitable. They're going to pop loose. They're going to start to crack just because of the use that just that mine right. get. And you're Most, sending 600 grain lines through them. Exactly. And you know, when I mean, we're fishing a lot, I mean, yeah, we're putting a lot of use into the rods and you know in a few months season before they get sent back i mean they're probably getting 50 60 days on them and they're getting ran a lot and then you know they take a break for a while and then they get the crap ran out of them for a couple months and then these ones made it i think 
One was a little over a year old. The one was pushing two. And they were, I think it would be about every year. But they were still holding up. Yeah. And they weren't, you could see that they were starting to stress a little bit. And you can see some marks like in the in the wraps. But everything, all the um, the uh, glue, everything was still placed. I mean, the tip, the tips are always going to pop and spin. I've had to UV them sure. on because we're jamming flies out half the time with them. Yeah. It's not necessarily its fault. It's sometimes it's the only way to get a fly out. And with those smaller tips, you're running six, five, six hundred grain lines, and all of that, again, recoil is being sent out, right? Because, I mean, it, it gently tapers down mm-hmm. to the end of that tip, but that tip is the final one. That's the one that's going to feel all of that force, that momentum, that shaking force of the fly and, <coughs> and not to mention and too, that quick stop. How many times does that tip get that eye ripped out through from their uh, leaders? Right. Pulling out through. Boom, 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 boom. I mean, that's, I can't, I, mean, I, I can't complain nothing about the Chippewa rust. Yeah, it's not I, a sh- I mean, let it's alone sh- to say like the guides or anything. I didn't like how small they were because you know, like we've talked about before. I mean, my situation, my, my um, knots were are a little larger. Sometimes they didn't want to fit, but I also thought too with line speed and it did, it did a little bit of both. For the average person, are you going to want it? I don't know. I don't. I don't know that you are. I do. I don't. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> I don't know because again, it is a little bit heavier. And if you are a false caster and you like the false cast, it is not going to be a setup for you. If you like to get a hull or a, you know a, bat, a false caster two and hull, it's going to be perfect for you. Like you know, I mean, we we all of us are pretty much minimal false casters. We know at this point now, it's get it out as quick. I would rather one false cast in 60 feet than four to try to throw the whole line. That's just your, at the end of the day, every all that, plus it's time. You know, yeah. 60 feet on one cast and then false cast after false cast after false cast. You do that over and over again, you could have made 10 more casts. Yeah, so but, but tonight I stripped 60, 70 feet of line out on your rod and I was one false cast, let, let that head out. Second one, send it. And I was sending 60, 65 feet really without any. And again, that's because. I only hit the treehouse once. Only yeah. once. And that's A, because I know how to haul. And B, because it's a 12 weight. But C, it, it didn't have the recoil. and That, that was, was the 10 weight. Was it really? The intermediate? Yeah. yeah. That was a 10 weight. That's a 500 on a 10. That line huh. is disgusting. Yeah, because the 9 has the 12 on it. That's uh, compact six. That was yeah. the twelve weight. Oh, and the twelve weight. You put the guides on. You can barely even tell that they're on there. They make right. no difference. Balancing wise, it's set up all identical. Oh, Miami just scored a touchdown. Yeah, take the lead. Uh, but the the ten weight. Uh, I got one running. Cortland's got a new line coming out. It's a forty-one foot intermediate. Wow! It it. It's unbelievable. It is it, it, absolutely infer- – and I'm not usually a fan of – I like 26 to 30-foot heads for, you know, a lot of, like, what we do. Yeah. So when he sent it, I was like, 41 foot. I'm like, this is going to be interesting. It's a long head. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to overline it. Let's see what happens. So we overlined it, and it's like, man, this thing's a rocket. And then put on the 12-weight and actually set it up right. And it's like, this thing's still an absolute rocket. It's like this – okay, it, it, I – it's tapered correctly for that length of a head, 
So it really real forward paper. You, yeah, and you really don't even have to get the whole head out of it in order to fire it. But boy, if you do, it is just absolutely gone. But you can put 25, 30 feet out and let go, and it is still just going to fire. And that's a 450 on your 10 weight? No, that's a 500 in that one. 500 on the 10 weight. The floater that uh, is on the other one that's coming out is a 450. That thing is, yeah, that's... that's I need a new floater. My, my Rio is about... Four, five years old. When you can punch blockheads, I, I didn't like it when it was five, when it was brand new. <laughs> yeah, no, this is. Uh, well, you know what? The other thing too is, Rio's older ones ran close to line, so like we all bought them ten and elevens, thinking they were ten and elevens, but they're really not what we're you know throwing. We needed like twelve for a you know eleven and right, but vice versa. So like even like my Rio floaters, they're really underlined for what they need because I put that ten. That he had and used on a 10 on that chippy eight. Oh, it's rocket or yeah, money. But this 450, you can punch blockheads. And I've never found a floater that punches blockheads, and you can just right. absolutely yeah, Jimmy, hammer Jimmy was Dude, I blasting was that blockhead thing <laughs> last week. I mean, yeah, well, even yeah, that we were talking about you took over. I made like I made one haul and sent the thing 70 feet over a log. I'm like, oh, I didn't think that was going to go there at all, right? Snagged it right up, turned right around, did the same thing, and sent it. Right up underneath the root. I mean, that thing just. I don't know how. You, I don't know how you got into that one inch by one inch block. Yeah, with a blockhead <laughs> playing beer pong. Oh. <laughs> then the other go through a circle hole. Then the other other ones, uh, sink eight. It's nice. I need I need a cold water sink eight. I've got a I've got a warmer water well, that's sink what your nine. Your pike muskie's gonna be. Yeah, I need to I need to pick one of those up. That's what um. I the... don't. I don't think I'm gonna need it for the beast. No, I got it. Yeah, the new uh, the new rod, the cork with inch and a half butt, which is kind of I bought for a backup ten, but more like bank time. So when we are walking, waiting, it'd be a good walking weight rod. Yeah, because that long fighting butt gets in the way, especially if you have belly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that has um, five hundred sink four on it. That's we ran all day on it, and it fished fished really, really, really well. That was just the, the standard Pike Muskie line, but. Like I told I, him, I think I'm just going to start flopping them. I like that Pike Muskie line a lot. Yeah, run that through the fall and spring and then switch over to a either a mono or a ma braided multifilament for the something with a thicker shell for when it's warmer. Nice. Because when it's warmer, it's really tough to keep that slickness on the cold water lines. I got to tell you, uh, I'm not pushing any company, but SA makes that that line sink. It's a spray. Right, you spray it on your on your line, and it makes it slick, and it makes it s- cut right through the water. It's it's not a cleaner, but it's like a it's like an application after the fact. Yeah, it's almost like a sprayable zinc for your fly line. No, no kidding. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. I like it a lot. I use it especially like if we're fishing dirty water, like on my river, it's always dirty, always. So after like an hour, I'll just, I'll spray the whole reel and it cleans it up a little bit, but no matter what, it makes it, it makes it sink and it makes it slick again. Never I'll definitely heard I'll such def- a thing. I'll I mean, definitely I, what I always did, I used to just wash the crap out of my lines because I do like to dawn and then I put the Cortland dressing on after to get it slicked back up. And I still, I mean, I, I wash them really frequently, but it was like, you'd have to dress them like in the summer frequently where like these... Tropic lines aren't the case. They hold up really, 
really well through the summertime, which obviously that's what they're meant for. They're meant for warmer lines, but we also haven't really had them tapered to our, you know, needs for musky. Where now some of these coming, they're just, they're perfect for that. And our water's dirty. You know, you collect a lot, a lot of crap out of that water. Yeah, Jim finally cleaned his. He's like, oh, my God, dude. dude, I can't believe how much stuff come off this. Chalk and milk off of that. I've done mine twice already this year. Nice. Be proud of me, man. I I really think, you, as we were saying, it just helps everything go through your eyes so much better. It's cleaner. You got to do it. Well, you want to talk about eyes and guides on your rods. Dirty line. That beats up your guides, too. So, I mean, you're running dirt through that, and that's chipping off there. Absolutely. You're going to have wear lines and everything going I will say today, though, it was kind of fun. So, we got to the end of the float, and it got to 1 o'clock, and I'm a Niners fan. So, I was like, I've got to watch the game. So, I happen to still have 5G where I was. Yeah, because your stupid TV won't work, so I've got to watch a game on my phone in front of me. Somehow, I I have to. I can see it right there, too. That's perfect. Yeah, it works out good. So, I had enough 5G to get it on the boat, tucked it up underneath the front seat. A couple minutes later, and look up, and Jimmy's head's like into the tree. I'm like, oh, crap, got to start rowing here a little bit. Because <laughs> we're at like this one dead section. We had like nothing. And I was like, I'm just going to like chill watch here a little bit. He can cast. There's not, we're not going to see any fish in this section. I know that. And then he got hung like as we're going out of it. And there's like, it's we're nice, like getting ready to go right into oh, the yeah, riffle. And then Jimmy hangs up. I'm like, right here? You serious? You hung right here? And I'm like, just. Diving into this riff when I'd like back out of it, I'm like, oh, you're killing me. I always tell people, jump out. Yeah, it was a little, jump pile, out. little pile of weeds. I lied. It's loon, not oh, scientific okay. angler. Yeah. It's called sink fast. Huh. I've huh. seen it, but I've never used that. Yeah, I, I, I have it and I love it. I absolutely love it. Give it a shot. We'll keep that and grab thing, keep it in the boat and give it a shot and kind of mess with it and see, like, mm-hmm. if it starts to get a little sticky in the summer, like, hey, let's. Yeah, squirt, I'm not squirt. trying to. I'm not trying to Joe Rogan the podcast and just start googling stuff while we're doing this, but it doesn't hurt. Whatever we have, as it. long as you keep hey. the volume down so your ads aren't playing on the next. Yeah, one. I <laughs> get it. <laughs> you, you found out where to send people to get the right stuff. Yeah, yeah. not a bad thing. Um, I wonder. No, continue. I'm just gonna. <clears throat> well, hey, we want to say congratulations to Rick on his yeah. first Cobia. Good job. Uh, again, we will be Congrats, talking to him for a little bit next week. Uh, we weren't. We're not good sh- eating. Yeah, we're not sure if it was on the fly or or on gear, which it really doesn't matter at this point. Because uh, if he could start getting the idea down on what to do, and 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 start to find fish, now then you could go to the fly route at that point. You know, searching out a fish like that, even in general, isn't an easy thing to do. Yeah, learning I mean, and getting how to trigger him to eat the big thing. What do you? I them things to eat. Yeah, I, and Chad has done it with his cousins before. I, I've never even ocean fished, so I couldn't even imagine getting on it. You know, just b- having a Tell giant, what, like I a mean, nice boat, and he got a nice boat out there. He bought a nice boat and yeah. then paid to have a tower built, and then he had a mishap a couple weeks ago, so he hasn't been able to fish for a couple weeks. And Yeah, it's good for you, buddy. Nice job. Yeah. Well done. Start, start to put pieces together at the end of the year. I mean, they're going to be out of there here in the next week or two, so they're pretty much on their way yeah, out. Yeah, so you need to get like one or two more because you promised Kobe at the Beast. you got to get one bigger than uh, our buddy Chris down there. Yeah, yeah. He's got a 50 <laughs> and a 54 this year. Mm-hmm. That's a big fish. Dude, Mark texted me like two weeks ago. He's like, dude, Chris caught a 54. <laughs> and I responded. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, he thought it was a musky. Ca- and I thought he was talking about Raz. And I thought he caught a 54-inch muskie. So I was about to text. I was about to text Raz, 
Oh my god, that's funny. And and we're texting back. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that. And we're, and we're texting back and forth, and you said something. Was like, yeah, it was on that the the what was it? The pig. pig. The yeah. pig. And I'm like, dude, dude caught a 54 inch muskie on a river pig. And you're like, Cobia. And I was like, Chris, who? And he's like, you're the guy down. I was like, oh, not Raz. Yeah, not Raz. Because I was real, pr- I was real, real excited for our buddy. <laughs> no, I tell you what, though, that dude. I would have too. With them cobia pigs, you put some fish in the boat. So, oh yeah, if you are the cobia fishing, they are the way to go. With them cobia pigs. Yeah, g- Get down hit, and rip them. I mean, I don't think you're on. They're on your website, but if you're looking to go for no, cobia, you gotta get a hold of me on them. I probably weren't gonna put them on the website. Email Mark through his website I or Instagram the or river today. Oh, nice. Ooh. In our little spot. Oh yeah. I went yeah. up on the top side. I was like, I'm gonna bury it down. I like two counted, literally. It was underneath count. you, wasn't it? No, I was uh, casting. I was up on the top side, casting where that thing, and I went one, two, and it went limp. I'm like, no way! And I lifted up. It was already hung. Hmm. Where you caught that other smallmouth? Mm-hmm. Huh. Up on the top side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. I that's, a, it. that's a shame. But it works really good for that too. Cause you can just <laughs> splash them and move real fast with them. So yeah, yeah, I'm that's what I fished that, there. That's what you gave me. You're like, fish this. Yep. I got that such smallie that was on that. Yep, those double eyes. Mm-hmm. Picked up quite a few fish on them this year. Nice. Even just like smallmouth white or um not white or uh, uh pike. Got a couple pike on them too. Get it down fast. And I mean, yeah, that's I mean, the there's a little bit down. of recoil when, when casting that. When in doubt, double the eyes. <laughs> yeah, because on not a, only double on eyes, you've got a, probably equally as much amount of UV weight wise as there is in them eyes. So you've essentially got like three sets of dumbbell eyes on them, but. Yeah, you, ca- you cast it like a bait caster. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. effectively. Yeah, like a de-loop and a let go. It's yeah, kind of like just, a spade cast. Yeah, and zing, just, and just, just overhead and just cast. <laughs> but it is, I mean, when you need to get super deep, but it's also, too, when you rip that thing really hard, it it's down now. And on a jig bite, if you were to fish on a jig bite, that's, it's not like up and then float down. It's got to go up and it's going to go down now. And that's what, like, them fish, they trigger on that. And you'll, like, rip it and they'll drop out of their way and then cobia go down and whack it and it's been doing really really well awesome and it works well on a cut bank even the opposite side big cut bank things like that where fish is probably sitting right there and you don't want to slowly it's put funny that fly down to him i had a couple um, guys order some from up north and i thought they were using them for pike and here that's what they were standing off like edges of like cliff like bluff type stuff Casting over like thirty foot of water and getting stripers that are suspended in the ocean on them. You know what that'd be really good for uh, the British perch, mm. right? So like, so over in Britain they've got like their perch are different than our perch. Yeah, they're huge. Oh yeah, they're huge. But the they also th- don't keep them. That's why they get huge. The other thing they have is they have a saltwater bass that we don't have, mm-hmm. but it's at like 40, 50 feet. That thing would kill. I need to send some of those to my buddy Silas. Uh, Silas Silas Maitland is a real good friend of mine. He is uh, he's a professional bass player. plays gu- He plays bass guitar professionally. He does studio sessions, and he's a professor at in London for the bass. Huh. But he comes over to the Cape for like a month at a time, and this guy slays fish. But back home, he's got a boat and he fishes for those those British bass and pike and and big old perch. I need to order a couple of those from you and just send them over to them and say, hey, try these out. And I was thinking, too, you know what else they'd work good for? Calico off the coast. Oh, yeah. They're super deep. 
burying down. Yeah. You know it'd be cool to catch a grouper mm-hmm. on one of those. Uh, the dudes were getting jacks on them. So they were doing real well with jacks, yeah. like shipwrecks, sending them down off the edge of a wreck. Yeah, we went way off subject on whenever we started on. Where were we talking yeah. about? Where let's, did we get on? Let, let's take a break and uh, recoup our brains and ourselves, and we'll be right back. Green Bay played a good football game. Hey, we're back with something. We got all of our, we got all of our minds together. Yeah, we're uh, back. We're going to talk some in-depth fly design. Um, articulations, I'll talk game changers, things that I like to tie, how you could do little things to make it look a lot better. Because there's nothing worse than... And I know for me, I don't want to look... I'm not going to pick a crappy-looking fly out of the box. And I, I just... And if the crappy-looking fly would probably work just fine, but if it doesn't look really good and it doesn't appeal to my eye, I'm, it's going to be the one that doesn't get swam. Dude, confidence so, is everything in a fly. Yeah, you, I want to have a fly that I pick out of there and I'm like, this is going to destroy the fish. So, um, But things that I've learned... and Go... You know, don't just, I, you know, and I try to, I'm trying to pick up more and more books as I go, but, you know, grab a book. Those guys that wrote the a books. A lot of good ones. Yeah, there's, uh, there's so many. Modern Streamer even. 1 and yeah, 2. Yeah. I mean, there's. Everybody out there, for the most part, you can name's got some kind of book about yeah. everything. I mean, Blaine's book is good. Jake Vilwalk, his book is very good. Who, Vilcock? Vilwalk. Oh, yeah, that's my guy. Tim, that's my guy. I like him. Tim Landwehr's book's really Tim good. Tim Landwehr's mm-hmm. book is awesome. It, to me, that is the. The smallmouth book. That's a great book. I mean, obviously, I still design. think the best is yeah, pop pops book. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but so uh, I'll go into even what I do uh, for the game changers that I I got. I tied two for Chris today. Thank you. I, I he picked me up some material, so I said, "Hey, you picked me up the material. Let's throw a couple flies together." I hadn't tied a few flies in a while, so it's a good fly for you. It's a good fly for me. Uh, but even something I do. Shank, shank. Usually I'll throw a smaller hook. Uh, not on every one of them, depending on size. <coughs> that one I could have probably got away with not using the other hook and are just did another shank. Are these fours? Twos. Uh, this is a two. That's a one. I don't know. With that size, though, I... Th- the curved Gamaris or whatever. Yeah, and that's a really small back hook that doesn't impede. I think having that back hook's n- really, really nice. Almost yeah, all. I, if, if, you know, I agree. With them like Gamaris's where the, you don't see them on them little changers, yeah, that back hook's nice. Yeah, especially for so smallmouth who suck, a largemouth or smallmouth who will who will bring that water in. Like, right? They're not going to t-bone that fly. They're not going to hit it from the front. They're so gonna they're gonna suck it in. When you're putting back. yours onto your hook, do you go shank shank or do you do wire too? Uh, no, I do wire. Do you? Wire? Yeah, uh, I'll and I like to tie the wire down the hook shank a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so then when you tie back over top, you pull that, and it, and it creates it to be a really straight. You don't have a bump. There's yeah. no bump. It's not sitting up above. You know, you don't have a loop up above. And, and then you can make it a lot, sh- like, uh, straight as in hmm. up and down so it doesn't twist your fly, the back of your fly, in either direction. Sure. And it what sits nice. What size wire do you use? Uh, that's 30-pound. Uh, okay. So, so you're just using 30-pound single-strand wire? Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's a uh, and it's uh, uh, coated. That stuff's okay. coated. Okay, so you're using coated wire. Yep. Yeah, don't use the single titanium for that. It will break at some point. Yeah, that's a that's yeah. not if. It's and this is why wire. we're asking those questions. Yeah, I, I've used that for a long time, and I I used mono uh, at first, and after a while, mono just kind of you know it'll it'll break too, and 
again, if you uh, do catch a pike or something like that. I mean, that, wire eventually at some tough. point will, too. Yeah. Yeah, everything I breaks. I just felt like, I don't know, I, I just feel more comfortable that way. But I think, the like I was saying, the biggest thing is tying that down the shank a little, bending it back up so it sits straight with the shank coming back. Or not the shank, the, the what would that be called, Mark? The straighter part is the shank. Yeah, down the shank. hook bend, I guess. I should say you should tie down the hook bend and then back straight to the shank. Yeah, because that just lays the eye of the shank level with your shank or your hook bend. Yes. And, and then your front hook, you keel. Uh, usually always, depending on the material. Uh, I like a fly like that is with, tied with Estes. Um, that, and that you could, f- you could run that with a floating line. And it'll s- it's not going to sit on top of the water. It's still going to get down at a decent rate. There's shanks all way. And you keel it. It can cut. You could throw it with that kind of fly line. And I do that. And it helps my dad because he doesn't like to use a sinking line at all. So, and, I, and you know, certain times a year, I don't either. You know, I'd rather have a floating line. And it still cuts water, still gets down. And then your fly's not rolling side to side either. It runs really true. And that gives more of a, a nat- like, I, I like because it'll kick. And it'll also stop the front of the fly and let that back end kick out. Mm-hmm. And so you get a nice kick and back and forth. So it works for me. I like, th- I mean, and I followed, you know, a recipe and then kind of tweak them for myself. Uh, like this one for hybrids. Just tweak it a little bit for myself. You know, make it, I don't really like the bunker taper. Uh, it's just, I don't, we have shad, you know. Right. I, I'm, I'm going to tie a big and fat at the head and just a big, spot somewhere in it and, and yep. nice and I like them to be not round a lot. I would rather taper mine to be a little I mean they're a little chubby in the middle but shaddish. Yeah, they have a not taller uh profile than just a you know a flatter profile on the side. So explain so let's let's walk through this fly. So this is a we're gonna call it a four and a half inch game changer. It's got two hooks on it. It's got the one on up front and then it's got a what's number six, a number six in the back. So you go. Oh, let me look at that. Yeah. So yep, that's a one. Yep, that's a one yep. for sure. So you're gonna go your one aught. You're gonna tie a wire on top of that, and then you're gonna go to what size shank is that middle shank? These are all 15s between. Okay. So yep, every one of them is 15. 15 between, another 15 between, and then to the next hook, which is. Which is that number six, and then, run, and then you're running two tens to the two, tail? Two fifteens. Two fifteens to the and tail. And the reason I, I do this one, I didn't. I ran a 20 behind that number two. Okay. Uh, it's a little smaller. That one, I don't, I've always just liked the, all the 15s in a row. It adds just a little more length, a little more, you know, I want to, for a hybrid, I want a bigger fly. Yep. So, me personally, I mean, they hit small flies too, but that's what I, I, I don't know. I like to. Set them off. I like to, you know, get yeah. them to hit something big kind of at the top. Uh, so that's kind of the way I'd, I like to do it. And I've have, I have other ones that I do. You can go 10, 15, you know, shank or whatever. I mean, there's – you can do whatever you'd like pretty much, I'd say. I mean, as long as you – I wouldn't go any larger to smaller. Right. You know, always kind of a larger or the same size, you know. And then, and then to me, from, from everything I've read, I, like I said, I've never tied a game changer. But to me is to make sure it doesn't foul. So you have to leave a small enough gap in that wire and the shank to make sure it doesn't completely fold over on itself. Is that accurate? Yeah, when you're when you're tying your wire around, I'm tying it damn near is about the same size as a 
hook eye. Okay. You know, and just enough. I mean, I like to. I'll move the fly around, move it, make sure it articulates well, and if as long you know, get it nice and as tight as you can, and it will still articulate well. Good. So then it won't really move per se. It will just articulate and move back and forth, but it won't per se move loosely. Yeah, because I. I mean, I think these are beautiful flies, Jay. I really do. Thank you. I, I mean, a, I think these are really good. After you tie, you know. You know how else to keep them from fouling? Let the rod load all the way. <laughs> well, there are some of us out here that aren't perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I thought someone was just talking earlier about practicing. It just be I mean, that doesn't mean you're perfect. Don't engage. Just don't engage. Don't engage. <laughs> don't engage. <laughs> Every now and then, when you're in the back of the boat and the and the guy rowing doesn't give a crap about the guy in the back of the boat, and you look back during your backcast and that tree is three feet away from you, not thirty <laughs> feet away from you, sometimes you can mess up a cast. It can happen. <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm judging anybody, but uh, if if given yard casting, I'm perfect. When you introduce trees and current and wind and sticks, sticks and stones, then, and holders. the other thing is when there's two of you casting in a boat and you're both casting to the same side, if you notice that you have the same cadence, I, I'm always the guy that will yield to the other guy casting. Change right? the rhythm, change the tempo. Or I'll just, I'll just drop it. Like I'll just drop it down so that we don't create a giant sticky club to come back and hit the rower right in the face with it. So I'll just with four <laughs> hooks. <laughs> yeah. a few times. Yeah. I'll just let it fall behind me because I know what's inevitably going to yeah. happen. There's birds nest on my <laughs> head. We've had a few of them before. Not from me. I'm always that guy. I'm like just let it fall. Let it yeah, die. I think Michael was one of them. I forget who the other one. A bird's nest? I don't think I've ever put any... Back cast, when they both flies caught and came flying into my head. Yeah. You and Michael got one. Yeah, so I don't remember who got the other one. So when so you both back cast... And, and then you catch each other. And you catch each other, and then you both come forward. The only place for that to go... It's a clothesline for the it's back of Mark's yeah, neck. and it does. <laughs> and they, <laughs> just come, of death. they just come in hot from the right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like... And then all the lines spin around my head, and there's this big bird's nest of a fly line on my head and two flies in the right side of my face. And luckily, nice Mark's guys. pretty calm and never really gets mad, so it's like, hey, yeah. guys, I understand this happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly how that sounds. Precisely. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't agree more myself. <laughs> what in the? Why the? Would you guys do that? <laughs> oh, I've caught a, a couple Clouser, Clouser minnows, definitely. Oh, I, I, a set I, of lead eyes. Oh, oh I don't man. care what I size know, they are. They I suck. know I've told this story. I got a river story. pig last week, right in the side of the head. It's I like, buried, oh, I buried hurt. a one ounce Clouser, Clouser in the left side of my neck, <laughs> like right, right at the veins and arteries, uh, on the cape. I was. Throwing backhand, the wind picked up and turned the other way because we were in a bowl, and it just came that way and just whap, and it felt like someone punched me in the neck, and I was like, "That's right where it was, where it shouldn't be." Like I'd rather be it in my skull or my ear or my shoulder. I remember I had this one guy, and he fires a cast it's like pow, and just like nothing, boom, gets a fly out, keeps on going, and after a couple times it happened, I was like, "Wait a second." 
this guy thinks this is like part of the process. <laughs> and then it was like, a little bit goes by and whack another one. I was like, you All do right. know that like, you know, like, like what I'm telling you in the cast is going to alleviate this. Oh, I thought you just like if the wind picks up a little bit, then you know, every once in a while you catch a fly. I was like, no. So I'm telling you to <laughs> cater the canter the rod yeah. so that you can get the line speed to cut. Like, oh. See, that guy's, that guy's Catholic. <laughs> 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 That's great. And it was like all of a sudden dawned on me. It's like, oh, then it keeps that. Oh, then that, that yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah, exactly. Keep the pointy then, end away from yeah. my. My shoulder. Because he did. He just popped the hood up and everything right when he started. And it was just whack. Like, oh, whack. And I'm like, no wonder why he put the hood up. And it's like, no, he thinks that just, no, we'll fix that. Yeah, that, Hilarious. Happened, that happened to me last week. The wind changed. and <laughs> oh, you did get one. I, I put one on my shoulder and I was like, and Mark's like, yo. And I'm like, I'm okay. And he's like, yeah, I didn't hear anything. So I knew that was the skin noise. <laughs> like that's What's when the, it uh, sticks <laughs> when you don't hear anything. The old mono mono loop trick, right? Oh, I've done it. Or, yeah. I've had it done. Oh, to yeah. me. It, it actually works really well. Works my, we ripped one out of my dad's arm out yep. on out on your Jim got Jim took one, one out of my leg. Yeah. yeah. That was net that we didn't even have line. That was just pushing the shank oh, back and just man, that hurts so popping it. bad. That's what my dad the did. D D coming back with the one on my seven. neck. Is he did the stuck it in a tree and straight pulled it right in my leg. He did the mono trick on my neck and he's like, All right, I'm gonna pull on three. And I'm like, Dad, this really could be in like an artery or a vein. And he's like, Okay, I'm gonna pull on three. And he goes, One, two, and he pulls on two, and the line slips through his fingers, <laughs> right? So it comes halfway <laughs> out and it snaps back into my neck. And I look at him, and like my dad's like five nine. 140 pounds and i didn't i didn't mean to but i looked at him with the look of i will snap your ass in half <laughs> let's make sure that doesn't happen again <laughs> so, so then he goes he does it again put you know pushes the eye down wraps the line around through mm -hmm. it pulls it out and i throw my hand up there real quick because i know like if it's in something special i need pressure and i'm holding it and i'm holding it and my dad goes are you going to look at it? And I'm like, no, no, I don't want to look at it. So I pull my hand away and there's like maybe half a drop of blood. And I was like, all right, escape death today. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. All right, we got, we got a little off the rails again and hooking ourselves. We well, did. Here's, here's something about the game changer uh, that I like to do again. I, uh, a couple other little tips and tricks. Uh, when you use the medium as you're going up from the back up, I'll just put keep that shank, the first shank on, and trim it down. So okay. now by the time I get to the, the hook, which is the last where I use the medium-sized, um, that is where I want to angle my taper. I want to leave that one at Your, the, the, the medium-sized fiber. Yes, and you'll leave it the full size it is there for, me, for the taper I like to use. And then from there on up, you use the bigger... And you go from that side, and then you kind of have a, it kind of gives you a, a way of going with your, when you go with your scissors, so you don't go into it just like, oh, I'm just going to taper this, the whole thing, and it's this big fuzzball. Right. You know, it gives you a good start on where, okay, I can, now if I angle from here to there. Mark even gave me a good idea on the scissors to use, uh, using regular, just kind of. Yeah, you want them like coarse a little bit, like a synthetic type regular, like yeah. coarse scissor, not so like a fine, real, super sharp ones. You want some little coarse. 
So do you build from the back and go forward, or do you build from the forward and go back? You always have to build from the back and go forward. I know. I know. I'm oh. helping oh, okay. our listeners. No, sure. That's, <laughs> they yeah, that's they wouldn't they have the option of going the other I way. I only though. say that because Jay gave me the look like, are you a fucking idiot? Yeah, you can't build a <laughs> head on. Yeah, and put the I don't think so, though. No. So uh, the first thing you do is you're t- you tie your tail on. Sure. I mean, that's the way it goes. And what, what I'm, I know. Oh, I thought you glue the eyes on first. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm gluing the eyes on the shank. So Pat Lombardo uses mops. Oh, mops' tails? Mops' like, tails work like, really good. Like, that's his jam. What's your preferred tail? Uh, I like. Uh, um, Pat just loves mops. Some uh, either feathers. I, I have a bunch of feathers I don't use enough of. So I'll use, you know, little feathers sometimes. Uh, other times I like marabou a lot. Uh, it seems to get a lot of action. Marabou wiggles around, and it's yeah, it's it's a, it's a it's wonderful great. material. Uh, you know, if you want a hardier fly, I know Blaine does the. He'll actually take like a synthetic material or like this the material you're using, and he uses his goo and makes like a gummy wedge tail out of it all, and then ties it on. And I started doing that. I just felt like that added a, a quite a bit more weight, and well, it just there's slowed, the wood. slowed the fly down and. For me, it just it didn't, I didn't, you know. But you got to remember, though, too, there's a specific reason why you do all of them. So you make them tails there, them for like a, the jerk flies or whatever they call. So they're coming to a heart. So all of them tails are meant to do something different. That one drives it so it goes to a hard stop. So if you got a fly like that, it's not going to be the best tail you're going to do for it. If you want to do something a little funky with it, make a ball in the back, flare the feathers around it, so then it's driving a little bit different. It'll add funkiness to it, but it's... But yeah, that one's there a little bit. See, different. this is good fly design talk. I, I think there's there's obviously a, a little difference in all of them. I mean, and you I know, mean, I'm, I'm not sure a, a big big changer fan, but you got two things. I mean, you're driving with weight in the back, or you're driving with water displacement from the front. So like them jerk changers like that, they do a little bit of both, and then they that aids in the the pushing around the, you know, obviously with the shank and the body. Like when you get into them ones or. Longer shank up front, little in the back, but. So this is all 15s. This yep. is all 15s tied with the chocolate finesse chenille. The color is clear. Clear. I'm glad you know, they're getting rain in New York. Well, I, uh, well it's <laughs> they got it's, it in Cleveland today too. Uh, everywhere around Cleveland. us, it's but white. I mean, yes, it could not be more white. But it's clear. You know, I I, I don't know. I kind of was looking oh, at it really closely, dead. and I guess it is kind of clear. But it it, it looks white when it's all bundled together. I guess maybe mm-hmm. the strands are clear. Did you get it wet yet? This one, I've tied, I don't know, dozens and dozens and dozens of those. So sure, I've got them wet. I swam the exact same. I, I just I, I just didn't know if that particular. No, the, this color. one was tied. Oh, uh, that I've have like five of them in my box that are exactly the same. Uh, I like the white on white. Usually, I'll put a little wh- black dot back here if I keep it white. And if I don't, I like the clear because the clear can get colored with a Sharpie. And I I love coloring with Sharpies. <laughs> so, I'll sit over there after I'm done, and I'll, I, I can make it half chartreuse and half white. Black over top, white, you know. It, and it colors well, and the color sticks for a Sharpie's color sticks on there for a whole season. At that rate, I tie five more for the next season. And if I lose them, I tie them as I need them. So... For me, I, I just I, I the clear is the only color you need, other than black. You know, I do clear and black. I don't I don't that see the has point. Has them as I need them. I, I don't see the point in I, one at a time, man. I don't go. I'm not like you. I don't. I'm not a machine. I ties them like I sees them, man. 
Yes, massa. <laughs> hey, as you need them. You just I, I I'm not somebody who sits and ties. I'll tie a few in the beginning of the season, and then I usually don't lose that many. If you have a raft, you can go get all your flies back. So, but honestly, I mean, Jake, these are pretty good. Like I'm gonna fish with them, and you I'm better. gonna ca- and I'm gonna catch fish with them. You better. I hope if not give them back. I hope to God I catch the, the fish that is bigger than your wiper. I hope I hmm. catch a bigger wiper than yours on your fly. Ooh. Oh yeah, this was this was the one. This yeah. this was the same exact fly. Yeah. How would how would it make you feel? Ah, I feel happy. Even though you're gonna have to lose. I don't care. I was about to. That's yeah, not well. true. You care about losing. <laughs> You're right. Nope. Because <laughs> you, you caught a hog of a fish. Sure, sure. Right? Like, it's a tough fish He's to like, beat. all right, nobody fish for him. Let's just keep Nobody else fish for him. Yeah, just, just keep this rolling. Yeah, He's yeah. like, yeah, we're not going to catch any more of those. You guys go musky all year, fish. So <laughs> I'll go, take that Go fish for musky. That's right, Mark. <laughs> yeah, you can't beat me if you don't fish for musky. Uh, I'll probably do a little bit of it. Uh, I talked to our good buddy, Jace, uh, a couple... Uh, just a few days ago, about getting down there in the next couple of weeks, maybe. There wasn't crap at the bottom, one, I can tell you that. I, I yeah, just haven't had much luck down there in a while now. No. I don't know what happened. I, ever since he did all that stuff, and it just kind of, I don't know, it got a little I weird mean, down there. I mean, it's, what, five trips or so down through? You have to see one? I mean, it's, yeah, I don't know what's going on at that bottom one. So... Um, enough about those flies. Mark, talk about your articulations and how, or how you put all that together. You could go into how much, whatever kind of musky flies you'd like if you want. Um, well, we'll leave it at that because we can get way too in-depth. Sure, sure. I mean, there's a couple ways I articulate. I don't articulate with my doubles or any of my swim flies because of the fact that they will occasionally hang. Um, so, like, when I do articulate, I'll use 65-pound 7x7 nylon coated, just like same stuff you do but in 65 pound. Um, I do like to kind of overkill, so I'll like thread wrap, glue, and then I'll like triple thread wrap the bottom quarter, and then I'll put my layer on, and then I'll go ahead, put your bead on, put your, you know, over the top, and then I'll triple wrap that quarter again, glue it, glue under, then wrap over all of it again. You so do I mean two, two beads or one bead? One bead. One bead. Yeah, I try to keep one bead in like a, I don't know, I mean, the loops probably give or take roughly the size of another bead like itself, like it's diameter-wise. You know, maybe not even. You don't want that much in there. You don't want a lot of play, but you want enough play that it's moving, but you don't want it to be like unhinged in there. What size bead? Eight mil. Okay. No, yeah. Yeah, eight mil. Sorry to put you on the spot. <laughs> no, yeah, it's use enough of them to remember. Yeah, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to put every... Like, as a guy that doesn't tie a lot, and maybe our listeners... Are, I mean, some of our listeners are phenomenal tires. Oh, absolutely. Some might not be tires at all, so I just want to make sure we get all the details out there. But, like, others... Like, I'll use... Um, like, obviously, like, your shanks. So, when we get into, like, poppers and articulated stuff like that, I'll use shanks. Or, like, the bigger, the XLs, um, Bufords, River Pigs, even Minnows, I'll do hook, shank, hook. And with them, that's I, – I do that identical. I don't do anything different. I mean, you obviously run your shank through the middle and the hook eye, and then when you go to the front, the only thing that I do different there – excuse me, I shouldn't say I don't do, I do that different. Whenever I put the front on, there's no bead or anything, but I ride it right up almost onto the hook. So it's tied down just a wee little bit, and then it's almost sitting back there flush. 
there's just enough room that it's not hitting the back of the hook, and there's just enough room in that loop that it's just it, it can move freely, but there's very, very little, and it's pressed right up to the back there. So you don't want that extra gap in there. When you get like extra articulation, I like to try to keep that as tight as I can on that first one. You already have another articulation in that. You start to get that free flowing, it can kink in there, it can want to spin on you. What will happen is it'll, during casting, if it's not cast right, it'll want to loop and then it sticks. So you want to keep that front one nice and tight. I that, do know that. That's what we ran into with that wedge head of yours. It, Messing with it, yeah. Yeah, and we added it. We ended up. <coughs> that wedge we, has gotten to be such a problem. That loop in the back is. It's, it's so big. We added a second bead and we shortened the loop and we tried all sorts of by weed. And figuring out the I mean, hook. you, you. You tried all sorts of stuff. I just gave feedback And it got to the it. point where we finally got it right, and I was like, I don't want to tie it anymore. Well, I need like three or four yeah, more. Yeah, you're not getting them. Okay. Well, then I need you to fix the heads mm. on the eyes that I blasted off of my I motor. can do that. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely fix them. But I, I you, you got one of those stuck in No, that was a regular. That was a, that was a full-size <laughs> double Buford. Sent sideways in your motor with a dragon tail to boot. But I gotta tell you, like my favorite, my favorite fly to watch swim, is that wedge head that you tied. Yeah, they are. They really are that good. It's just, I, I, I think, I'm, I'm not the. I think if we ditch the rattle, you can't ditch the rattle. There's two rattles in it. Yeah, and they're all there for a specific reason. Yeah, for and weight. You, you have to be there's running there's, a swivel's key for that. I think you have to run a swivel oh, I, in it. And I always run a swivel. There's weight in the rear. There's weight in the front. There's there's weight everywhere in the hook. It's like it's a it's, it's a heavy. It's heavier than your double. Oh, it's significantly heavier. It's not a you know lightly constructed fly. No, there's a lot going on in it, and it all has to be done. And when it is, it's like a 12 inch D and D. Yeah, the thing wraps back and forth like crazy, and it works great. And yeah, I, it's beautiful in the water. But it's Especially just that pink it's, an, one. it's an undertaking. So uh on to another thing. You you use a lot of pack tails. Mm -hmm. What's the process I'm putting the pack tails on and you know they seem to you, you seem to He makes them and sends them to me. I take them out of the package. <laughs> <laughs> Next they just, topic. They just, they just go on there. No, I use uh <laughs> I'd have to look to be exact. I wanna say it's like uh, it might be something around that eight eight millimeter size give or take fast hatch and that's why i tie the um dragon tail too so then they're interchangeable but then I'll, that's where i will use the single strand titanium because then it stays completely stiff so i'll fold that over crimp it tie it off the back and then it's a nice smooth surface to spin your uh, fast hatch onto but oh your boys just blocked the kick nice and i almost can't return for a touchdown so, um, but that's the nice part with that single strand is then it stays directly out the back and it doesn't move. And then you don't got to worry about it. I mean, it, if it gets bit and stuff, it can't break if it kinks, but there's nothing in there. There's no movement or play like there is in like the doubles where they're moving back and forth and then being pressed where over time it can press them. But there's nothing back. I mean, what's you have a little tiny fast that's sliding around back there. But honestly, anymore, I personally fish them probably what 75 percent of the time i mean it's, i mean a lot of times when we're on water where we're like dialed and we know where we are i fish them temperamental because i know like when the situation's on light or time if i'm searching i'm always fishing one 
If yeah. I'm on fish and I know where they are, I'm, I'm almost not because of the fact that I kind of like to fish them. I, I, really? They score a touchdown, then he acts the extra point. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't... Yeah, if we're I, on fish, I prefer not a pack of No, tail. because you know what? Like, I'm not one that likes to go in and kind of like be aware. I want to go in there and fish. Like, it's, Jim can attest. Like, I beefed about it all day long day about being quiet. I want to fish like we're fishing brook trout. I don't want anything to know anything about the fact that we're remotely there. I want them cast working their way to the section. I don't want it going in and blowing up what could be here, what could be there. At the end of the day, the fish, any fish, whether it's 50 or not, still started off small. He can still be a little bit skittish. If you're working smaller water and rivers or what have you, I want to be like as you know incognito as I can. Last thing I want to do is bump a fish. So with them, sometimes they can be a little gaudy. They can kind of throw off a little much, and fish will kind of. I've seen you know smaller fish move away from them. Not that like big fish are gonna you know just move away from it, but I kind of want to move in on them a little bit, and then switch over to it. Now if it's a day where they're just completely off or it's conducive to them then no i won't even mess them. i'll just leave them on all day yeah won't even take them off and that's one of the big advantages we have as fly anglers is you know that packerini tail is going to work like a bulldog tail right so if if those fish are skittish and we can put feathers on there that have that natural beautiful flowing movement we have that advantage over the gear anglers oh and there's times in the summer where even bufords are too much yeah I mean, it's just, it is. I mean, you just go, and even having the wrong cast where you're lining them can be too much if you're in low and clear water. But most of the time, you don't got to worry about that. And they, I mean, it's even down to like the paddle tails. So if you're looking like changers, if you have a seamless fly, now someone asked me about that the other day, like when you use the paddles, when you use the forks, what have you. So I think your dragon tail, anytime you have a displacement head where it's pushing water, Buford, bulkhead, something that's bigger up front, if you're a T-bone, anything like that, it's going to be able to move them tails and still be able to keep working. Plus, them deck cells give off a ton back there. But let's say you take, like, a changer where it's streamlined. Any, like, big pull in the back of that, you're going to lose all your action in the fly. It's just going to straight pull at that point. Where if you put a, ta- or a paddle or one of them fork ones on, they're so seamless back there and they just stream right through it, you maintain all of your action with it. And then the nice part is, is you add some flicker and some flash going on. But like even like a triple river pig, stuff like that, where I don't want any pull, but I want some more length because I've got like a trailing hook out the back or I want a little bit extra more or something. Them paddle and forks are really nice for that. And you just run that seven by seven straight back to a... Eight, he said. Eight, what? Wait, wait, wait. The fast hatch, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, right back to a fast hatch eight. <laughs> I don't know what their numbers are. You got to buy them ones but, weird. You but can't they're small. Like they're real small. Yeah, I don't they're know. Fast hatch. Yeah, they're like, that. I don't even think they're actually fast hatch. Or I don't know. Tung Wang Yi brand or something. Who knows? <laughs> something from China. <laughs> it's the only way you can buy them things in major bulk because I usually buy them four or five hundred at a time. <laughs> I never even <laughs> think about that sweet Christmas. Oh, yeah. Four or 500 at a time. <laughs> I'm ready to tie yeah. one musky yeah. fly before the beast. Yeah, I buy like a 15-meter uh-huh. thing, a 7x7. Seven seven. Mark buys it by the well trailer load. March. Gets pallets. I think it was like March 21st, because I looked the other day just to see. I got a yard of peacock curl. I just got another one in. Think about that. 
That's a lot of peacocks. Five, six months? Went through a yard. Three feet. Hey, I saw peacock I saw a couple peacocks <laughs> on my way in here today. It's insane. They did. There were two of them in a in a yard. See, I told uh, you they, they, get, they get loose. Yeah. They're white ones. They're on the way here, right? Was there a white one out there too? No. At the crossroads? They'd no. be off to your left? Oh, no, it right? Was, I'm sorry. It was right off of Vickerman. Yeah, yeah, right on the corner there. Yes, yeah. yeah they have they have two white ones as well. They weren't white. They were they were the Regular? two colorful ones. Okay. Yeah, yeah they got like five or six. Wonder. Mm. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Talk to him. Hey, if, just go if, over there and just take them all, brother. If they're if they're, in the, if they're in the road, I'll back? make sure you get one. <laughs> these, these fe- <laughs> hey, hey, Mister, these feathers on these things grow back. No, why? <laughs> oh, they they shed them. They'll be all right. You'll be all right. They yeah, they kick them all off and everything. Sweet to get some white peacock girl. Why don't you just start raising peacocks? Mm, yeah, okay. <laughs> so then I got a 75-pound dog chasing around my yard all day long. Yes. Who sits in the front door going, we'll go outside and whines he'll, all day. He'll yeah. never catch him. Right. And then he'll be tired, and you'll have. Uh, oh, he'll ex- catch him. Oh, man. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I could, oh, oh, yeah. I could not imagine if I still had my duck right now. Because like he would chase <laughs> the other dog around and just whack. If I had him, them two would be hysterical. He was cool, man. I that miss, duck was I the, miss the best. Duck. That duck would always greet me in the driveway. Man, all I hear is just smack, smack, smack. <laughs> so his, his feet come whacking up, and he just sit there and he just want petting. He just like walk like right behind you. You just sit and pet his head, pet his chest. That's he was happy with that. But I, I tell be, you what, he was a he could be a jerk. I gotta be honest. If I owned Winston, I would buy all sorts of farm animals just to see how it all went. Because I mean, duck is delicious. I'm pretty sure there's a way to cook peacock. Well, I can tell you what, from 7 p.m., <laughs> from about 7 on, you open up that back door, and he comes straight off, head down, looking right for the deer in the back. Because we've been having fawns walking in the backyard. Oh, boy. And he's been trying, like, I'll get out to get one. So, do you want to... Uh, I, th- I well, thought I was pretty good there. Good yeah, there that's the too... Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think. That's about really... I mean, articulation-wise, I've... I'm, I'm down to just a few, you know, what I use. I mean, I do some bucktail changers and the doubles and XLs, but that really covers what. Oh, that, I, what if I do you're going to tie any of those other articulated flies, even if it goes down to the smaller, I'm always a, maybe a two small itty bitty beads. I don't even know what the hell size they are. Little, you know, even in. Oh yeah, for like D and Ds and stuff, yeah, I use like, double beads yeah, and stuff like, like, like that. Yeah, steel heading beads. Yeah, like look, it's tiny, number sixes. Even even <laughs> even smaller than that. Even oh, you yeah, know, like I got every there. variant yeah. of orange bead you would ever want. I buddy. knew you would. <laughs> oh, I've I've dipped into my bead box a few times on some flies. That's for sure. Uh, like yeah, that one. That's not gonna work anyway. As long as they're not the chartreuse ones, you just leave those ones in the box. I gotta tell uh, you what. Uh, last time I went steelhead fishing, those beads. A bead up front and a San Juan worm on the end. Jeez, dirty. Day over. Oh, yeah. What color bead? Peach. Ooh, yeah, peach is a good color. So I want to go to... Stalker uh, special. <laughs> some <laughs> good Aren't they all stalkers? Where? All, all steelhead. <laughs> oh, steelhead? Yeah, yeah. They're all stalkers, sure. Uh, good affordable. Yeah, good affordable fly fishing equipment. You know... We talked about Chippewa River custom rods quite a while earlier, mm-hmm. and they're that's an, a good affordable rod. They're not overpriced. It's not uh, an outrageous amount, and man, you get quality and great customer service. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think Jim, a big thing, yeah, is go like ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. no, no, go ahead. You you can't afford to buy it twice. You know what I mean? Think of kind of that thing too. So if you're gonna buy something, you know, don't just all always go for 
the cheap because like in like a lot of the fishing gear there's a lot of good stuff that is very very close in price to like some of the cheapest and you're not gonna have to worry about buying this stuff tom's is a great one you know i mean there's a handful of other rods that are cheaper it's not that much more to step up to one of these rods and you're not gonna have to mess around again you go like really cheap off the bat with some things and again we're talking two different things affordable and quality i mean is a big difference sure so you want to look at that a little bit you don't got to step up a lot into some fishing gear so not always like go kind of for like some of the cheaper things where you go up into like it doesn't have to be seven eight nine hundred dollars you know for a little bit more you get a good affordable rod that you're not going to have to buy twice so some of the other ones you're going to buy and then a year or two you're like i'm going to need something else go up into something like that you're never going to need to mess with it again yeah um, even like orvis recon Another, that's a decent rod. Good mm-hmm. rod. I mean, rod. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not overpriced. Something that uh, I used uh, Devin's last time I was out. He had one. And, man, it casted well. I liked it. Uh, it casted well for me. Not so much for him. But, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed that rod. Well, I most of the time when you get into that, like, 350 to $500 range, you're getting into a decent stick. You're getting into mm-hmm. a good stick. I mean, it's not going to be your elite, but you're going to get a stick that should, for $455, you should get a stick that should last a lifetime. Oh, yeah. That's a very, that's a good rod. So, I mean, that's, you know, you're not really bumping too much, and that's a that's an affordable rod in the fly fishing world, you know? Yeah, I mean, even, I have a clear wire. It's, yep. it's a nice, affordable rod. It's a, it's a good nice rod. rod it's but decent. It's not the highest yeah. end rod. It's not going to, but it's still, it's affordable. It's not it's, like a recon for no. a little bit more, you yeah. know? Yeah, but it's still, I, I feel like it's still nice quality. It casts decent enough for me. I've... We're not out here. I'm not out here launching cast on on rivers. You know, we're not casting too too far. Uh, so that's something that like Jim over there. He brought a, a randomly enough a, a nice pair of pliers. He found that <laughs> man. I, I'm gonna be one of my next buys. I, uh, nice. I yeah, yeah. I I was in the market for a uh, a pair of boat pliers because I got mine confiscated as as we discussed last time. Whenever I came back from Florida, and I just I haven't gotten around to buying another pair of pliers yet. So. I was, you know, looking around and seeing what was available out there. And, I mean, for me personally, for, you know, a pair of boat pliers, I, I wanted something a little bit bigger. So I didn't really think about spending, you know, a ton of money for like an, an everyday, you know, have on your hip, like while we're out fishing for everything else type of pliers. These were just strictly, in my mind, boat. Because, I mean, I am never going to take those through TSA. They will take them the minute I walk through the line. I mean, that's a nine-inch set of angle pliers. But um, I picked up these ugly stick pliers. They got carbide cutters on them and everything. Uh, they got a 45-degree angle to it. And they remind me of, like, a pair of them uh, clamps. Yeah. You know, like, uh, where you, like, click, 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 click. Like the lock clamps. Like Oh, yeah, 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 sure. Like a needle clamp. So, in my mind, the reason I, I really like this style is because, like, every fish that, musky-wise, Every fish, you know, you're always into that little tight angle and that little bit of a bend in the way that the pliers come off at the front of the handle. I feel like you can grab onto the end of that and you could roll it a little bit easier with that little bit of an angle to it. So I wanted to go with that kind of style. So we'll try it out, see how it works. But, you know, for a pair of really, really stout pliers with carbide cutters on them for like 30 Three thirty-five bucks, something like that. I can't remember. I know it was thirty something, but yeah, cheap pliers. Throw them in a the boat, and I feel like they're gonna last a while. So, it's you know, it's things like that. You could find a lot of things, you know, and uh, 
that will even suffice. I, I saw something today. It was called the SA Launchpad. Mm-hmm. And it's a newer something that just came out. Yeah, it's kind of uh, neat. Lay on yeah. the floor of the boat. And it's to catch line. It's almost like a um, like a string basket, yeah. uh, but it lays lays down on the boat of your f- floor of your boat. Yeah, we were talking about that today. It's a pretty cool. Uh, it's just something that I saw. I mean, not that it's you know super affordable, or whatever. It's not. It's not outrageously priced or anything. But you know, just something cool I saw out browsing around the day while I was sitting around watching football. You know, looking through some fly fishing things and. Uh, I thought that was kind of neat. And you could lay them on the front of the rafts, even have them in the pictures, you know? So. I think what I might do, if I get another pair, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a pair of cutters and make two little holes and then put them up on the bottom side of the raft, like under like your like mm. uh, platform. So then they're just sitting right up underneath there. You can just put your hand right up under and slide them right out. They'll be heading up underneath. Like something like that wouldn't be bad. Then just tuck them right up underneath there. Yeah. They're always there. You're not going to worry about them because I'm locking the place nice too into that sheath. Uh, I I missed a name too. Uh, <coughs> Dave Huff, uh, the Wolf Rod Cut. I mean, I have a couple of those. I, I uh, seven weights. They're a decent rod. I like them at a, at a good lo- at, a, at a good price. Ri- I love my River Wolf. Um, and I haven't. I've I like them for hybrids. They throw a little bit bigger fly. A uh, little slower. It works great. It's for a good bowfin rod. And it's a great bowfin rod. I, I use them for bowfin as well. So, you know, I, I like them. They're, like, and again, they're a little more affordable. Something that, you know, somebody could pick up anywhere. Um, or you could pick up and it's not going to bank the bank, break the bank, uh, per se. Did you, uh, did you get two tips with your streamer stick? Uh, I did not. The the River Wolf, the eleven weight, the musky stick, that does that comes with two tips. So right out of the tube you get an extra tip rod? too. Does Chad still have that one or do you have that one? Uh uh-uh. uh. No, I don't I only have my the twelve eleven weight I got. The echo. Twelve weight or eleven weight. Uh and that's another rod that I, I like. It's uh they come in two sizes. They have a nine four and an eight six. I took an eight six because nine four sticks out the back of the raft and I don't want to break another rod. Uh, but the, it's an Echo Musky rod, two-handed, you know, not two-handed, but it has a nice long fighting butt on it. It's a good rod. I, I've liked it. Uh, that's what I'll be fishing at the Beast, along with a 10-weight Predator that I'm going to buy a tip for in the next two days. Because <laughs> if not, it won't be here. Yeah, or it same. might not even be here anyway. So Yeah, well, you, know, you should have time by then. Crap, this is what we're looking at today. We're going to have way too many rods in the boat. We're going to have five two-piece chippies and a two-hander and we don't even need them backup rods no, we have more than enough don't. i'll just leave them in the truck and if we need them we'll just shoot back and get them i go and see how we're gonna need them we can break three rods and still have enough yeah leaving the yeah they're always good in the truck yeah and yeah. honestly god i'd rather fish those chippies than any other rod oh absolutely i'm 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 definitely gonna Grab the eight weight. The uh, dad's starting to put his Christmas list together already. So, um, <laughs> and I have a birthday coming up in another uh, couple months. But hey, sooner or later, I, I'm definitely gonna have to pick one of those up. I've used Marks, and it's a wonderful, wonderful rod. That's the uh, it's the media uh, moderate fast. He makes a really fast uh, streamer rod that comes in you know s- not that's not a musky rod, and You're then that moderate fast. Which one are you? Uh, you the Chippewa. Yeah, but there's. You're talking about there's three different rods. There's a m- the moderate fast one. Is there a two piece or a four piece? Two piece. There's only I one think. two piece. 
Then there's going to be two four pieces. I think it was a two piece. Yeah, then but there's only going to be one. I don't think there's doesn't have a moderate or not. Or was it just one. a really fast? I've never like looked at anything less than a ten weight. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that eight weight is sick though. That no, eight weight rod is sick. Because they have the blue four piece, which is like the faster one. And then there's like a brown, darker green. I think it was a green, yeah. yeah. No, that's... That's not the one? Oh, okay, the other one? Yeah, the two-piece eight-weight's a completely different one. Okay. Is it black, too? I don't know. I've never really seen too much. He does much with the other ones. It's the baby ten-weight. Oh, he has um, all kinds of different nymphing rods from this rods to that rods, all kinds of nice rods. But he's got another one that, like I said, I've never seen them even make it, though, the four-piece, because it's always been the blue stick. Yeah, my four-piece ten weights blue. Yeah, that's what my seven. It was the one that was like and sevens are. But it was like which I like three. It was just around three. It was probably two eighty yeah, to three, no, or was it the one that the next one? It's a three fifty. That's gonna be a little bit of a different stick than what you're trying to think of. Okay, because if you're thinking like what you're trying to do, the four-piece blue one. What are you thinking for? Like for stripers? Oh, I was just just to have an eight weight in the boat. You never know. I, don't we always yeah. want to collect them all, don't we? I mean, I was just yeah, saying, I got a six weight, a couple sevens. Yeah, it's kind of that's kind of the weird thing though, because that's it's kind of like that payload. I've seen it it's an eight weight, but it serves like a I'll purpose. Same thing with the two piece. The two piece is like a, it's it can be usable for everything, but it's not really like much. I don't know that it would be like a go to smallmouth rod unless I got like a shorter butt on it, because that one's got the long extended butt. Oh, does or, it? Yeah. Or if you were on like a four piece, yeah, look it up. You got the internet thing right there. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna get say, on there and look it up. We got that dang uh, interwebs. Um, the four piece that'd be like a striper, smallmouth, everything. Yeah, that's that's what I would be more looking for. You know what I mean? Uh, you said the it's other a, one's more of like shoots more like a nine. It's more like a pike like a, to a musk. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's it's oh, it's definitely oh, more of a nine. That's a that's a heck of a pike rod, man. Well, you know, even looking yeah, into something really like that for rod. that, you know, I'm oh, that's a perfect again, pike rod. I don't have one of those. It's a good, good musky rod. I mean, Heck yeah, maybe have to look into that. I, I wouldn't I be love afraid. That I rod. wouldn't be afraid to fight a musky on that. No, thing. I've caught a couple on it now. I think I've got three or four on. But it. I'm just saying, like even like a fish like pushing into like that 40 inch range, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be afraid be. to take a 40. I wouldn't fish want on an that. upper echelon fish on it, but I would take a low 40s fish on it and not really be too worried about. It. I mean, I think the biggest one I've got on the eight way because I usually don't take that anywhere where I'm going like. You know, bigger flies, bigger fish, but I think that's 34-ish. It held it fine. It did well. That's what I'm saying. I think that... that but now, like, that four-piece eight-weight, it ain't doing nearly what that rod was doing. It's a completely different rod, and it doesn't match up to, like, any other eight-weight. Hmm. Same with, like, that payload that I got. It's like, oh, I want an eight, like, thinking like you were, because I don't have a regular eight-weight. I've got sixes, I've got, I've got five sixes, sevens, nine, tons of tens, twelves, and bigger. I don't have a regular eight weight. I've got the two piece. When I grab that payload and it's like same as the chippy, but a four piece and a different setup. So it serves its purpose, but it's definitely not like a regular eight weight. Hmm. Well, that's good to know. Going into it, I'll have to, I'll, we'll, we'll have to yeah. talk more about it and make sure, I'll just make sure I run it by you and we'll, we'll get me what I need to get. Yeah, it kind of just depends on what you're going to be using it for. If you're like, hey, I want to be throwing beefy flies, that's only going to be like a beefy fly like a four or five inch it's gonna be my big smaller rod i would get it with a regular fighting butt on it don't get the big long fighting butt. get a regular fighting butt 
that's going to be a perfect pike rod. It's going to be a perfect big small mouth rod. And they it's not going to be anything for throwing. And the, it's only in the four piece. The regular fighting butt is only in the four piece. So yeah, just have him put a, a normal fighting butt on the two piece. Yeah, and he'll do that. Yeah, like he's the man. Yeah, that's all you got to do. And then if you that would be a sweet stick. Get a two piece with a regular fighting butt, or even like a an inch. I think that's what a regular is. Because mm-hmm. that new one, I think I got an inch and a half on it. So mm-hmm. it's. Yeah, that'll have to work. Yeah, that sounds yeah, like and that inch and a half would be perfect for an eight weight or yeah. a nine weight or even a ten weight. Uh, I think you'd have a hard time weighting it correctly on a twelve weight. That, I wouldn't want one on a twelve weight. The lo- the short fighting butt. No. Yeah. No. Not for having it on a ten. It's going to do what I need it to do, but I would not want one on a twelve weight. On no. an eight weight, I absolutely would. Yeah. Absolutely. In a heartbeat, I would get I would get an eight two piece eight weight with an inch foot, you know, fighting butt heartbeat. And I noticed on there when I went and I was checking out the rods. Are you serious? You, you go on there, you you can actually pay in four easy installments of X amount of money for these rods. Yes, with the shop view. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. Go. I was like, huh, that's a that's a cool little feature to have. You know what I mean? Again, makes it a little more affordable. You know, hey, start four doing easy that installments. With my flies. Hey, four easy I'll installments and you get a double Buford. Yeah, but you know, I thought that was a a cool feature. That was on the uh, oh. that website. That is uh, Chippewa Custom River Rods. Chippewa River Custom Rods. Thomas go. Shank. I gotta tell you, oh, he's out of one piece blanks. He's been out of those for a while, Darn. hasn't he? Did he hmm? All right. So but I saw some. Uh, oh, did you see the launch pad yet? You're gonna have to have two of those by next week. No. The tell SA me. launch pad. Uh. Uh-uh. It's uh. You put it on the floor of your boat, and your boat would probably be great for it because you have. Ex- yeah, but his boat doesn't need it because there's so much. But he room. Need, but he needs it <laughs> because it's it's Mark. He it's needs just it. Be in the way. I know. They said if you kick it off the boat, it doesn't float. Uh, <laughs> check it out. S, uh, the SA launch pad I talked about earlier, and you weren't in the room. No, I. Uh, my dog is bleeding from the tip of his wiener. Oh, that's not good. No, he was castrated la- on <sighs> Wednesday. Yeah. And sure. Thursday, like there was blood everywhere and i'm like and it was coming from the tip of his peep all right well and we let it go for a couple days and then right my wife just called me and texted me and she's like i don't know how to explain this but his wiener won't go back in and i was like i think you know i'll be home right away i think i need you to explain this (laughs) (laughs) because so yeah it it was apparently there was an issue uh, apparently the remedy is put sugar on it. Huh. And it'll say, I was going to say, you know, what the hell did I come back to? Red yeah, Rocket. Red Rocket. Well, he came back in the room. What did I, I miss? Started talking about the, I started talking about the God, LSA launch pad and then we went to dog yeah. wieners. Oh man. Oh, launch that pad. Was, that was bloody, a left turn. Bloody How did you get rid of a Red Rocket? Okay. Sugar. Sugar. Yeah. <laughs> well, the good thing to know. You learn something new every day. You walk, you walk into Chris's house and right on the coffee tables, it's a little thing. It's a little, cut, little yeah. bowl of sugar. That's how for all the dog starts humping you with their sugar you in ever, his you ever, yeah. you ever seen somebody's, somebody's sugar bowl have that little moisture clump in it? Mary Poppins was totally right. <laughs> Just a spoonful, a spoonful of, of sugar helps the medicine go down. <laughs> Sheesh. That is the name of tonight's podcast. It's right. a spoonful of sugar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so a few shops uh, I saw that were having some sales. Schultz was doing something cool. Uh, they had a, an event today, and 
yesterday and today. $200? What? <laughs> yeah. Them things are $200. Well, $200? we were talking about affordable fishing gear. That's not affordable. What do you mean? It, it will stop your fly line from going all over the place. So will a $50 stripping basket. Oh, okay. Crap. Or a little bit of wherewithal where you strip. Wow. <laughs> or just make sure your fly line sits on the deck of your boat. Hey, what's that other one, though? Is it like something saltwater company? 200 bones. That has sweet them individual Christmas. ones? The individual spikes, yeah. Those, are Those sweet. would be too. Cool. I want to take them and line the gunnel on my boat. I thought about doing it the front of my boat, too. When you're stripping hard to keep the line from going it's over cool. the it boat, looks especially when it's windy. When it gets like really windy and you're stripping, it's just blowing them out the back. Guys. You got a problem. You have to have two of them. That's as much as a lithium-ion battery. And all it does is it's got spikes where you're going to step on. Yeah, but they're silicone spikes. They're not going to hurt your feet. It's not going to feel good on your feet. It'll probably (laughs) massage your big feet. (laughs) Wow, 200 bucks. I think it's a great idea for like... Yeah, the, 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 the price point. That to be honest, I'd have bought two for 200 bucks. I'd have glued one to the where Mark stands and like folded it in half. So like on the very corner of that between the gunnel and the transom, mm. that'd go great. I'd cut it in half and have like that whole corner set so your, your line's not dropping down through for 100 bucks. But 200 bucks... Well, if you buy one, you can cut it in half, and you got two. <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong. Makes a point. And that's like a hundred bucks each. Then you're yeah. like, hey, for hundred yeah. bucks, I got, I got one. Wow. <laughs> I did mean, he, it, did he just make that make sense? No. No. <laughs> I mean, he made it seem reasonable, but uh, damn. Wait, there was uh, yeah, I was going back to there was a few shops that I saw that were having some sales. Schultz. Outfitters, uh, Risen Fly, and Musky Fool's been having some stuff uh, lately as well, I saw. Nice. Uh, just things, I think it's things that are going out. Uh-oh. You know, they have new, a lot of new uh, things coming in, a lot of new, uh, uh, from waiters to all kinds of things, uh, fly sales. Uh, I just go on Schultz's website or uh, Risen Fly and uh, Musky Fool. Check well, them all out. There's a uh, Schultz doesn't really have a product website. Well, however you got to get that stuff. If you got to go in and get it, the the sales that they've been having, man, are worth the drive. I would even say if you live there near there, definitely got to go visit. So th- the best way to find out on all Schultz stuff is on Facebook through their customer forum. Is if you are on Facebook and you get on the Schultz Outfitter customer forum, you. G- so his big line is Custies get it first, right? Customers get it first. So before he posts it out to the public, he will put it on that customer forum. And like right now, there's some crazy deals on all this stuff. But Musky Fool has the uh, the $200 silicone spikes. Yes, they do. Uh, and they just... Uh, so don't miss out on that. Kudos, kudos to those guys. Uh, they just expanded their shop and had to get in some new area. So, cool. Great great on them. They're doing some good business. I know they're pumping out Mark's flies. That's for damn sure. <laughs> oh Keeping boy, you busy. Ton of them. And that's great. I got a, I got a few hundred more to go and a few hundred to do more a few to go. hundred more after that. I got to tell you what, I, I was, when I was in Peoria, I tried on the new Costas, 
the uh, what the hell were they called? The the brand new ones that were like seven hundred and fifty dollars to pre-order. Are those the new pro. Ones? Did they did they feel really good? Seven hundred fifty dollars really good? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love I love Costa. They felt two hundred dollars good. Yeah. Normal price good? Yeah, but not the sev or the the Kingfishers or what the heck was the name of that? Uh, I seen they got like they're starting to do like pro lines on almost yeah. all of them. And and well, and that's what I have is I have the pro lines on all three of my lenses because I need the the adjustable the nose bridge, bridge right? Because every other pair of Costas, since I've broken my nose a dozen times. They just sit down on my cheeks, and I have to keep pushing them back, and they collect sweat. And none, of them are, none of them are adjustable? No. The, only the pro line have the adjustable bridges. Oh, huh. Like, Yeah, it makes it like to where it like sits like yeah, up just, off it. Yeah, I have the, yeah. one of them I have the pro line uh, for the the Silver Sunrise ones I have, the yellow ones. Yeah. They're, it's It's nice, but... Even the other ones I have, they fit my big nose. There's one thing I do like with these. Fit my big nose. You got the nose piece that's adjustable, and if there's ever, you're all, they're free. You just huh. you can wear them anytime. Yeah, I, I like my Mauis too. Like I, I have that black pair I mm-hmm. wore through through Mexico because I only took my... I tell you what, black my, is a tough pair to wear on a my, regular basis, isn't it? Unless it you're in is, Mexico. But like if you're in Mexico, oh, I like because I, I yeah. only brought my ambers with the green tint. I oh, couldn't God. do it. I mean, it was blinding. Yeah. That's Luckily, true. I had my Maui's just for like everyday wear, and it, it made a big difference. So we, uh, so I saw, on, uh, again, I was scrolling around and saw something else that kind of caught my eye, and uh, it was uh, the Caney Fork River having a problem, an issue, kind of like we have with our, uh, what is it, Mark? What? Our favorite people in the oh, world. Oh, yeah, Army Corps. Yeah, the Army Corps of Engineers. <laughs> uh, so they're having an issue with their uh, Army Corps as well, um, just not taking wildlife into consideration when, you know, raising, lowering, and how dropping, or, you know, just leaving low, or however they're doing it. I'm not sure there's specific problems, but... But from what I saw was they were finding trout dead every I mean all kinds of trout on the sides of the river uh, dead and there's some I saw there were some cool acts and some cool um, things that were put in place that I didn't even know about that I would like to even think about bringing up to our Army Corps uh, of engineers about you know the ecosystem below where what water they're directing. You know, I can tell you exactly. We've went, I went through it, and we've went through this with them. It is, they don't care. They, and they strictly will tell you they do. They are not set up for that, not what whatsoever. They are set up for two reasons: flood, and making sure that barges can ship goods. Period. To make money, and to make sure towns don't flood. That's why the Army Corps is there, to make money. Period. I mean, that second one seems pretty important. Uh, yeah, I, I heard that, uh, <laughs> well, from one of the things that they... Like, well, America. you know what, though? though? But here's the other part about it, and I don't I don't disagree, and we're going to get down a long tangent, and it's kind of the same thing you have with all of the dams. Everything's done at a point where it's, you know, you, it's, it's done, you know, you can't see past the hand in front of your face. And I get why it's done at that period of time, but there's also repercussion for doing stuff that shouldn't have been done 
So now we have situations where everything is, you know, located right where areas flood. You know, I mean, yeah, you can't move cities, but you also didn't have to build them there either. It made shipping. It makes all yeah, that easier. Yeah, it didn't. At but, the time, it did. Yeah. What's a, f- a quarter mile? Why did everything have to get built right on the side of the damn river? Mm-hmm. If your house is built there and it floods, you built a house there. Right. That's how I feel about Louisiana. Or, I mean, you don't know. Louisiana is a little bit keys. different. You have a hurricane that blows in, you know, you know that's, that's a lot different. You have a river. A river's going to flood. Rivers flood. That is a river. Water, it comes in. Whether it is glacier runoff out west, whether it is rains, it goes up, they go down. They get a ton of water, they flood the banks, they go down. You built a city where it floods. It's supposed to do that. I mean, but again, you've also took all of the area that doesn't, you shouldn't grow all of your produce in, and that's where we grow our produce. So it's all ass backwards from the start of it. And now the Army Corps is here to make reason of it. So how do you make reason of an ass backwards situation? By appeasing the government. As long as the government's happy, we don't care about what anybody else thinks. A couple years ago, they damn near drained three quarters of the lakes in order to keep the Ohio River shipping barges up it. I mean, it's the middle of the summer, and we're pumping out 1,200 a few years ago out of every, every lake around. I mean, our lake, I'm saying 1,200. But it's the middle of summer, and it should be pumping two. And they were pumping 12 for a month because there's no water down there. We're in a drought here. Remember that when you could, you could drive down in the summer and you could see the humps in the middle of the lake? They drain all the lakes around. They don't care. They don't care what happens. There's no repercussion for that. Well, and but there is repercussion if them barges don't go up that Ohio River to deliver what they need to. And that's how the federal government works. Right, like Army Corps of Engineer is there to make sure barges move, shit doesn't flood, and so they say U.S. Fish and Wildlife are there to make sure that fish are there. What they don't understand is that it doesn't matter what U.S. Fish and Wildlife does, if you remove the water from where the fish are, there are no fish, right? But that's not how. Our government works like why would they why would two agencies work together for the betterment of this nation look at your river how many <laughs> times you could have had a successful reproduction in the spring yeah short okay. of the army corps screwing it up multiple times mm-hmm. there's multiple situations during spawning periods where that water went up significantly and it didn't need to yep. and they knew the situation and they were prior told of it and we have we have dams where they don't have to Right, like that Kinzu Reservoir can take a ton of water. There's no houses on it. It's all cliffside, right? So allow that thing to fill up. Allow the spawns to happen. The pike, the smallmouth, and the muskie spawn. Well, there be a trout. Well, that would be in the fall. Okay, yeah. Well, different time, but well, no. Try uh, the the muskie smallmouth and muskie spawn are going to be spring. Yeah, springtime. Yep. Right. Let it fill up, because you get upset when it gets low in the end of summer anyway. Let it fill up, and then dump water starting June, which would help all Bottom the boaters, and, and the boaters Bottom and the fishermen. Feed it from June mix feed it. Yeah, from exactly. June on. From and the rest of the time, then you're pumping straight sixty-some degree water, which is perfect. 
all yeah. year round. How does that hurt the rivers? It doesn't. But they... No, you know why they won't? Because then the boat launches there won't work. And then uh, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's stupid. Yeah. Is what it is. And you know what? It's, uh, I, yeah, no, I'm not going to get it. Yeah, but it, I was just, because it's I a just, point. I don't even I care. I don't bring care it up about, for like, I didn't mean stupid. to get anybody riled up. I was no, just saying, it's, it's not, not only us that's having the problem. It's not. because it's a lot of people all around the place. The other side of it is, United States. is it's always taken in, well, there's, mo- there's millions of people and there's millions of dollars in this. Well, you know what? At the end of the day, there's jobs everywhere around. And if you know, if, if anybody else's consideration isn't taken in, where we're talking multiple states now over and over and over again, you're going to reach a point where nobody cares about what you think anyway. So we need to get to the point where somewhere along the line, whether it is the state, whether it's the fish commission, whether it's everybody get together, figure out who can override them. Somebody needs to step in and say, okay, I understand. You're ran by the federal government. You are running through ours. So now, at this point, we are taking over. Let's go to war, go to court, go over and figure out what... Because, yeah, you are essentially running through multiple states. So how, you know, and you have one entity running this. So what about, like, Mississippi River water that's going through... I don't know how many states are involved in the Mississippi River. A lot. Dozens. Yeah. And one entity's running it. Well, and the issue you run into is, let's say, and, and I don't disagree with you. Please please don't think this as a critique or a disagreement. No, please, shoot. But let's say the Pennsylvania says, you know what, you're messing up our rivers. You're messing up the Allegheny. You're messing up the Ohio. You're messing everything up. Uh, we're going to sue you. So the Fish Commission sues the Army Corps of Engineers. Now we have less muskie to stock. Now we have less trout to stock. Now we have less How? fish. Com- because the Army money. Corps doesn't pay for the fish. No, 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 no. But if, if those resources from our fish and wildlife <coughs> are going to sue and pay for attorney fees and legal fees and all that stuff, it's not going towards fish and well, enforcement. let's put it this way. So if we as fishermen and as conservationists step up and donate and... And file the petitions and say, you know what? If you want to stock ten thousand less fish, and spend that ten thousand dollars, we don't on even a lawsuit, need to do that. I'm interested. We in don't that. even need to do that because you know what? Three or four years ago, when the fishing license was supposed to go up to a hundred plus dollars, and Goofy uh, way said, "Oh, we have a ten million plus surplus. It's okay if they don't. There's enough money backing there. They can run that dang thing without it. I, I don't want to hear it. It is one of oh, no, the I, well. It is the. It is if not one of." if not the wealthiest organization in Pennsylvania, they have enough money. Step up and do something. This is your job as well. I mean, if we really want to get... We, I, you, you know, know I, no, I, I even, like that. If I, we have the surplus... We've got the money. It. Can't there be somebody there with them that they talk to on a regular basis that has a... I don't know, just like a, Maybe somebody someone who has, has, like a, that has a degree in that guy. I don't know what the exact Dude, person or in, what they're... In a perfect world, yes. Maybe someone that's like, hey, lady in Pittsburgh, you fat-fingered an extra zero on Woodcock Lake and you're draining it. Someone like that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's, but that's what I mean. Like, uh, you just, In a perfect world, our government agencies between the state and the federal government work together. Hand in hand. They don't. Oh, mm-hmm. sure. And I mean, they don't at all. No, nobody works together anymore, but I just feel like there could be, and, and obviously, like I said, I just saw this, and it, it was like, man, that yeah. sounds like something that we get to go through a lot. And well, you, yeah, and you mean, guys it, should check it out. And don't take that situation there. 
where you have a river that runs typically through winter at 34.6, 35.6, and then it runs for two weeks straight at 356, but an ice chunk got stuck in it? Oh, yeah. Shut up. You know, go lay down. Go lay, go dig a hole and go lay down in it. We're not that stupid. You know, I might have been born at night, but it wasn't last night. Come on. Yeah. You fat-fingered sure. it. You screwed it up. Take responsibility. Yeah. Say, hey, we made a mistake. We're going to fix it. We're going to make sure the lake's okay. We're going to send someone in. We're going to have tests done, see what fish are left. Maybe we'll help the state, you know, restock. No, we know what to do. Oh, a chunk of ice got stuck. We're going to turn it back on it. We're just going to walk away. Screw you. And then, you know what? Everybody involved with it. Because the people up there, they are the same way. They, they don't, the people that work for them, even on the construction level down, they don't care about the act. You want to talk about Tamarack? <laughs> yeah, two dams break on that. Taught both of them. No, but <laughs> it's, I mean, it's just they don't care about the resource. They don't. But no. but about this resource and about this uh, this plight. Speaking of candy fork is what you're speaking of. This resource. Go to flysouth.net and click on the comment of the candy fork. And, and that is a great brown trout fishery there. Yeah, and read what they have to say and sign their petition and do what you can do to help these guys out. Because like while we bitch about it and while we have our own fights, our fight is nothing compared to what they're going through. Our fight is nothing compared to what Tim Landwehr on the Menominee no. is going through. I mean, we got I've a kill, to was it last year? like this every week. Was it last yeah. year, I think, the day we had a kill from them jacking it from, what, 800 to 200? Yeah. And then there was a whole bunch of fish laying up on the bank because they took all the water out of it instantly. And there's oh, no ours? Fish yeah. Our, oh, yeah. That was a couple of years ago. when they Was that was, two years ago now? Yeah, it was for bridge construction. Yeah. But you and could I, have done it more slowly so you didn't displace fish where, they're, you know, where they, won't, they were up on the banks. Yeah, just yeah. dead. 20-inch smallmouth after 20-inch smallmouth, my friend saw. He works right there on the river. He's like, I couldn't believe it. You know, and he's a, he's a bass fisherman himself and just, uh yeah. It's a shame. Yeah, that was Luckily, there wasn't a there wasn't much of a kill at all on Woodcock. Most everything got dumped into French Creek, and there was still enough water that everything that stayed in yeah, there, there stayed wasn't alive. much. But it could have been worse. I mean, there's a lake I don't know, fifteen miles from there, that hasn't had life in it for t- fifteen years. Probably fifteen, yeah. And it still doesn't have any. Gonna be a while. It's coming. I mean, it's coming, but it's it's taking a long time to get that fixed. And that's not Army Corps. That's that's PA. The dams, but, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, there's intelligent ways. Yeah, to that do one things. is not a. That's not an Army Corps lake. But like the Allegheny, like the Big River, like dumping out of uh, Kinzu, like we could have so much more natural musky reproduction if they just chilled the the discharge between May and June. Well, the other right? thing too is, and like then that would leave us water to be dumped out throughout the rest of the summer. Like right now, the Allegheny is almost below three feet where I live. That's damn near unrunnable. That's seventy. You could basically degree. wade across the damn thing at that point. In most oh, spots. there's a lot of places oh, yeah. you yeah. could. Oh, absolutely. That's what I mean, I can take you to. Swim across them, them, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're talking one of the biggest rivers in PA, where it's pushing 2,600 cubic feet right now. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's weightable. Yeah, and, and, and I can take you to spots where you can walk the entire way across it and not get your knees wet right now. 
Now, luckily, I can still take a jet boat through there, but imagine if you bought a prop or... Sure. I mean, there are, there are spots well, where... You can still people... take it through there. <laughs> One I think, like Mark was saying... The, <laughs> you the, can't take it back up. I don't... I'm not sure. You probably know more about it than I do, uh, but the way they run, they have uh, an upper and a mid uh, release, right? They can do either or? No. Uh, you mean... Yeah, top and a bottom. Yeah. Top or and a bottom. top and a bottom. Okay. I didn't know yeah. if it was mid or... Okay. So I heard I from what I've heard from other people is they don't do enough bottom release uh, to keep, keep the water cooler correct throughout the season, which and would help because it's not going to hurt the warm water fish. No, but it it only helps down to about West Hickory, because uh, by the time it gets past West Hickory, it's still it's warm it's warmed up. So that's all you need it for is the top though. Yeah. I mean, that's going to, to West Hickory, that's going to get you Warren. That's going to get you Titty Ute. That's going to get you Tyanesta down to West Hickory. And then, so like, it starts to really warm up at Henry's Bend. Oh, sure. And well, there, there's another creek that comes in there at one point that's mm-hmm. decent size. And by the time it gets to Franklin, it'll, it'll be the same temperature regardless. But that upper section is going to be great. And if that upper section is great, that's more oxygen making its way down to the middle and lower half of the river. So the oxygenation is better. So, you know, they say you can fish for muskie in a, in a well-oxygenated river well over 80 degrees. Uh, I haven't done that. Uh, I, I, I believe the science, but a couple of years ago, I was told to trust the science, and I haven't done that yet. So uh, at, at above 80, I'm still not interested in fishing for muskies. I'm not interested in fishing above 80. <laughs> no. Um, there was one other thing I wanted to get to. We can move on from that. Uh, do you have you in, do you any of you have the on water, uh, water the on water app? Sheesh! Have I, you has anybody seen this? I have seen it. I I don't think I. It have. is, it's like cheating. It is cheating. It's cheating at fishing. I swear, and it's it's probably very useful if in certain situation, but I you oh my gosh! I mean, and and even. What they put on, like the, when you go to download the app, the things that they're saying, like that, or the creeks that are popping up, I'm like, wow, that's real close to home. That's a little odd that that's right on an on a, like on water app that everybody can download and anybody can see any water anywhere. And I mean, anybody can get a map and see the water. Yeah, it's basically a map. and see the water. Why, but is, why just, does everything need to be hand-fed to everybody? It's, it's, it tells you this. It tells you no one it. will go put, out and do anything. Put-ins, take-outs, water temps. I mean, you can go and um, it's, I'm it, tells you from, it, it tells you from where it comes out of our dam to how many river miles down to where it meets the other river and creates the bigger one, you know, the beaver. And it's, it, it is insane the amount of information you can get. It, I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is cheating. This is cheating. This is, like, I, I can't even imagine not just going and earning it. Going to the water blindly and earning. And I understand looking up the flow so you don't travel 6,000 miles or six hours to go to a place and, and it's you, blown out. You go to your, yeah, your U.S. gauges and you, you, you look yes. at them. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's a lot of information. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of... It's a world of instant gratification. <laughs> yeah, it's really important, man. I'm not I like the, earning it. And the other thing, as a capitalist, I applaud them for coming up with it. Don't get me wrong. Like, mm, like if you, you know? if you can make money off of this, I, I applaud that. As a fisherman and conservationist, I'm not a fan of it. <laughs> right? Like pretty much. 
but on the other hand, I'm a big fan of public access, right? Like public access hunting, public access. So if there's somebody that can say like, this is your public access put in and this is your public access takeout. I'm a fan of that. I don't want, I have, and I haven't looked, you know, at a detail, but I don't want it to say, be like, hey, this is the spot where you're going to catch 20-inch smallmouth, and this is your musky I don't river. think it's quite like that. It, yeah, but you know what, still... though? Here's the thing. At the end of the day, to be honest, it's going to benefit the people that are already doing the information to get it anyway, and it's going to be six and one-half dozen because you can only lead a people to it. You know, and that information and things are hard because they're hard to get. If they wanted to get it, they go get it. Most people don't. They're not going to put the work in. They're not going to go do it. So just because you hand it to them doesn't mean they're still going to get off and go yeah. do it. And not, and that doesn't mean they can it's, fish it either, right? No. Like a lot of these bodies of water, like when when I went to Utah the second time, we went to a very small spring creek, right? And we hiked 10 miles of the spring creek and we never hooked a fish because we've never, we'd never fished a spring creek before. Sure. We, we walked back. Uh, and we're getting all done, and some guy that wasn't there before we got there was walking out, and he had a stringer full of big, long, beautiful cut bows. And we were like, what the hell did you do? And he's like, you don't know how to fish a spring creek. I'm like, well, let's play a fun game called Tell Me. <laughs> and he's like, were you fishing near the creek? And we're like, yeah. And he goes, don't. Those fish, Those fish can see you. If if you can see the the creek, those fish can see you, mm-hmm. right? So you need to be at at the point where your eye level is going from your bank to the other bank, and you can't see anything. And then you cast in, and there's tons of fish. There's big, beautiful fish. But if you can see that water, they can see you, and they're never going to hit it. So and it's and it's the same way on a lot of these streams, like. If if on water tells you you sh- you should go here, and you should fish this stream. If you don't know how to fish that stream or a stream or for that type of fishery, you're just wasting your I time. I downloaded it regardless. right away. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I I just to see what it was all about. I had to download it. I was like, well, I got to play here for a second. I got to see what the hell's happening. And I mean, wow, you even have the thought, you know what I mean, of of a creek, and it sells you the name. It tells you. But and I guess it's not gonna it's not gonna put the rod in your hand. It's not gonna catch the fish for you. I get that. I I understand that. It just it seemed just like a lot of information. But if it, if it gives I, you a blue line creek, right? If it gives you a blue line creek in Western Pennsylvania, and you've never done that, and you and you and you're like, I'm gonna go catch brook trout in this blankety blank creek, because this place told me to do it. Spoiler alert. You're not going to catch any brook trout in that creek because you have no idea what you're doing. Yeah, but did they yeah, even I, need I, to know that it was there in yeah, the first I, place? I, I'd go blind. No, I, I would I look agree. on a map. That's my thing. There's I a would, different app for I would that, just Chris. Look, exactly. <laughs> I would look on a map, you know, and there are other places you could go. Yeah, to, go to the Pennsylvania yeah. website. There's, I mean, there, it's there all places, listed yeah, out it there. Is, it is. But you don't need an app to lay everything out to hand it to you. Come I don't on. disagree. I just, I, I just commend the guy for doing it. I don't think he did the right thing. But I commend him for making money. My preference is like, you know, if I know I've caught uh, brook trout in this area, now I'm going to get interest and look into that area. And and just, and and, and I don't know if they're there, they're they're not there. They're not going to, I'm sure they're not going to put it on the, 
on the on water app if it's not if it doesn't have fish in it. I'm not gonna say, hey, that piece of water's there, but it, you know, nobody knows anything, you know. So I would just go blindly to these places, but I do and fish my sack off, not catch fish or catch fish, and say, oh well, I decided I've been here three times, haven't seen shit. It probably doesn't have anything. Do they tell you if it's posted or not? Oh yeah, that's all definitely have to have to. So, there has to be that has to be on there. So the I guess the advantage is like if you were gonna go to blue lining, right, and you were like, I choose. J. Thompson Creek in Sligo, Pennsylvania. Sure. Right? And, and you find it, and then you go to that app, and they're like, you can only gain access from this creek right here, and you can only fish from mile marker three down to mile marker seven, and everything else is posted. I got into a truck with Chad and just drove around and found out what we could do. Yeah, no, yeah. that's no, no, no. way. If you get that much information on that app, you better be paying a lot for it. It's, it but, does cost money. But if you but it saves you like 10 minutes, right? Like if you go on Google Earth sure. and you're like, I want to go to this. And sure. then you go to that GIS site and you're like, what's posted, what's not? And then you go to Onyx Hunt and you're like, what's posted, what's not? So it's, it's It com- seems kind of like an Onyx app. Yeah, that's a similar idea. Just, yeah. just go with the Onyx. Sure. Yeah, it's, but it's compiling data. So it's yeah. not... It's not giving you the cheat code. It's just saving you like 10 minutes. A lot of time, I'd say. And it, it, 20 it, it minutes. maps out, you know, floats and this and that. It, it seemed seemed to have a lot of information on there. That's all I was saying. Uh, something cool. If, you, if you're into that, hey, check it out. I'm probably not going to use it much. Uh, but but think, think of some, like, think of. It gives water temps and everything, though. On, half on, a dozen on, of our musky floats. Even if you found it on Onyx or whatever this. What was it, on the water? On water. On water. Even if you found it, you're not going to catch a single fish out of that float. We don't. <laughs> Some of it, yeah. Some of them, yeah. You just, they can map them all out there and fish through them. Yeah, it, 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 and nothing, nothing is going to be the substitute for time on the water, right? No. It's just going to give those of us like me who have a family of three, a full-time career, and a second job after that, a way to say, hey, maybe I should, maybe I could fish this, and if I'm if I'm not a good fisherman, I'm going to make I'm, Sundays if it busier. Puts, if it puts three more, I was just going to say that, Mark. If it puts three more dickheads on my float, I'm not going to be happy, right. and it's going to, but but we just got to float it during the week, or we got to catch fish in front of them and be like, you're doing it wrong. Now the gonna, apple tell this to go fall. The this week. fall, we're just going to be doing a. Uh, there's going to be a a shotgun for ducks. And geese in, gotta, the, in my raft at all times, just I, so people know. I got a yeah. slingshot on my boat now. We're doing uh, what's that? What's that called? Be, a cast I do blast? Too, it's yeah. a sig. All things considered, <laughs> I mean, I, I I strictly try to keep two weekdays only, and I typically I do too. I typically don't see many people. I mean, I do run into some people, but I typically don't see many. You go on a weekend, you're gonna see a lot of people. The guy usually, I mean. And a lot of guides do like stick to the weekdays. Even I really with their, don't. Even with their if, if a client specifically asks for a weekend, I will I will gladly take him on a weekend. But if he does not, I will not fish weekends. Yeah. Just yeah. because to me, that's you're spending good money for a day. I want you to have the best situation. I don't want to be weaving in and out of people. I don't want people around. I want you to enjoy your day and relax. You don't want to see Jay out there yelling at people no. and being all mean and mad because they're out all. there on his river. No, and no. So I, sure, I want you out there fishing. I want you doing your thing, but I don't want to see you out exactly. there. Period. So whenever you ask me to go fishing on a weekend, I'm usually like, can't do it. Because I got family stuff too. But like a work day when I have a week or two to say, hey, I'm going to move some appointments around and 
I can work. I'd much rather fish during the week, especially oh, I, especially on my river. If I'm fishing on a weekend, it's either I got booked, the fishing's stupid good, and I just can't miss it, or right. we're just out searching, and I really don't care. So if we're running to people, it's like, whatever. It just is what it is. Right. I don't really care. We're exploring. Yeah, we're just we're searching. But like wow! I, holy I, hell! Yeah, I don't, I don't, For, I don't love the wow. app, but I, I understand that it could be beneficial to people. But it's only beneficial if you actually know how to angle. That, you know what? It's probably a free year <laughs> subscription with your live scope. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's good. Cut my mic off. Uh, on that note, Mark, who, who brought you We've got Sims. Check him out at simsfishing.com. Yeti, built for the wild. A-Rex Hooks. I got fresh and salt. Check him out at arexhooks.com and Cortland Lines. Friends of the show, we got Ryan Evans at Queen City Guiding. Looking forward to seeing you in a month, my friend. Michael Davis at Down to Earth Wealth Management. Thomas Shank at Chippewa River Custom Rods. Our buddies over at Muskie Fool. And as always, the Nittany Valley Muskie Alliance hosts of the Beast of the East. Have a great week, folks.